Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Film Burrito. I am Jason, and with me, as always, my head of life mate, Chuck. How are you today, Chuck? I am well, but feel weird because we're recording differently, but the same, but differently. It's the same, but differently. And we don't even have the, uh, the, the COVID of it all that is preventing us from being in the same room. It's just more convenient this way, logistically. Logistically and uh, and and life based and life based. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I guess it's a weird way to say it. So because I actually uh, I've got plans um, on our normal recording day because we record on Saturdays in the mornings usually, and I've got some stuff possibly going on. So we opted to try to do the you in the southern right. hemisphere and me in the northern quadrant. That is correct. Again, but instead, but this time instead of doing the phone call. Which didn't sound a hundred percent great. You have a Mac, congratulations, thank you, and thank a mic, you. congratulations. Yeah, so you got Mike Mac, Mac, so Mike, Mike, Mac, Mac and me, Mike, Mike and me, Mac and me. Ah, I want to, I want to be like Mike, Mike and me, Mac, <laughs> Mac and Ernie, Mike and Ikes. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's a lot of stuff. A lot of. Uh, so we're gonna try this out. You're gonna, Mike's and Mac's. you're gonna record at home. I'm gonna record at home. I'm gonna mix everything down and see if it's better than last week's. Because last week's we were just bumped to the right channel, and I apologize for that. That was on yeah, me. Sorry about that. If you had your uh, stereo settings set up, if you were like, "Man, the boys seem like they're awfully far away," it's because we were. We were. It's all good. We though. were in cyber far away spaces. It was our first time back together. I think that was what threw us off. We were so used to uh, social distancing that uh, just knocked us off course a little bit. Well, a lot, of, a lot of firsts. So we, I had the laptop instead of the instead of the desktop Mac. That's true. I forgot about that one. And and that was the thing is that all the settings that I had, you know, set up from day one, which you know they just stay the same on the on the program, had to be redone because I hadn't configured it for the for the MacBook Pro. So. Right. But now, hopefully, we're good. Let's hope. Let's hope. I think it'll be okay. I think that we'll be. I think it will be too. I think we'll be I. You know, if I can I, stop smacking my lips because I'm, I'm doing it again and I don't care for it. <laughs> we gotta gotta watch out for that lip smackage. Yeah, it's this is not 1994, and these aren't watermelon flavored. So, <laughs> Dr Pepper lip smackers was my always my favorite. Oh. Yeah, my sister's too. I know that was why it was my favorite. Ira, Ira. Oh, you you were you? How old were you when the with the lip smackers? Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't do the math. Sorry about that. Yeah. Terrible joke. Making All out right. making out with my Moving two-year-old on. sister. <laughs> Moving on. You nasty. You nasty. Uh, I tend to make jokes through the lens of today and I don't I don't always put it together very well. So in that logic then like 8 or 9-year-old you would be making out with 35-year-old sister? <laughs> I'm, I'm you nasty. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. It's all terrible. You nasty. Hey, tell that joke about that sleeve thing you were telling me about yesterday. You so nasty. Moving, moving right along. So we uh, <laughs> wah wah wee wah. So I uh, I was I was telling Chuck in in the the pre show banter that uh, I just got. I found out that I had free access to HBO Max for three months, which I'm super excited about for one reason only, and that is the uh, Snyder cut of. Ju- I was going to say Jurassic Park, uh, Justice League. Um, <laughs> I would watch that. that would be I would sweet, watch the Snyder it? Cut of Jurassic Park. Zack Snyder's Jurassic Park. Oh, man. Yeah. It's just Henry Cavill with a mustache and tiny arms. <laughs> I can guarantee you one thing. If he did uh, 
if he did Jurassic Park, the CGI would have to be better than Henry Cavill's lip. It would just oh, have I thought to you were going to say better than uh, Jurassic Park. I was like, that's pretty cutting edge, man. No, that's what I'm saying. The, like the CGI in Jurassic Park was was the best of the era. And so if he were to do it, he would have to do better than the lip. So the lip that was uh, that was gate. Joss's fault, though. Yeah. But well, yeah, I blame the studio for for not allowing him to to shave. I mean, that was it was because of um, uh, what was the the which 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 uh, uh, Mission Impossible Mission, was he in where he played yeah. the bad guy? He was a Mission yeah, Impossible the, Five and my five. Yeah. But here's the deal, man. Let's be real with each other for just a second. It's cheaper. For, okay, for it's once, easier, and it would look better. If he put a fake mustache on, then, then doing the CGI for soups, right? Yeah, I mean, it would be it would be cheaper and f- just friendlier to let him shave and do reshoots, and then you know give him a week to get that stubble and stash back. Yeah, like we saw him without his shirt on in in Man of Steel. He's a hairy dude. He's going to have a five o'clock shadow by tomorrow, I, so he'll have that mustache absolutely. back in like a week. Right. Right. Just go shoot some B-roll, let Tom Cruise go, you know, fly into space, and then come back and shoot the stash. But again, even if even if they give him a fake one, the fake mustache would look better than CGI removal. So yeah, yeah. Well, and it's funny that you say that because that's that's something I've been I've been rewatching. So I I did um, the full MCU rewatch you, from you from did all of two thousand eight, all of the, all twenty three wow. films. And the one shots, um, so I did all of those in like a week and a half, and then my plan was I, I was like, all right, now I've I've got that out of my system. I am gonna go watch Star Wars in the Chuck order, which is I've got the theatrical releases for four, five, and six uncut, unlucasized. So I was gonna watch theatrical four, five, and six, and then one, two, three, Solo, Rogue One, four, five, six, Blu-ray, Disney Plus edition. And then seven, eight, nine, right, and 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 that would have been a good couple of couple of weeks of doing that too. I got to be honest with you, and I know this is sacrilege. Um, four, I got through four and five, and they are boring movies. They are not good. Like they're good in like the nostalgia and the story as well, but like the pacing is so slow, and because there's yeah. nothing going on in the background or foreground now of some of these scenes, you're just like. Watching R two and three PO walking through the sand like with nothing else going on. There's just a lot right. of like long beats in these movies of just like ugh. And the the other sad thing is because it hasn't the the theatrical releases have not been touched up like pretty much at all. All of the the CG out of the like Millennium Falcon like in in um. What's what? It's an empire, I think, where they're they're in the asteroid field and they're shooting from like the point of view of uh, of the back of the cockpit through the win- window. Right. So you see all of the, but you can and, and like Han and Chewie are there in the foreground. Yeah, yeah. Third person. It's PM bad. Shot. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. You can definitely tell that there's like a sheet hanging there, and they're like, "Don't worry, it's going to look good in post." And 
but it was like yeah, that doesn't. old school '80s blue screen technology, like the like Michael J. Fox with his hand when he's playing guitar and he puts it in front, and you're like, okay, obviously right. they're shooting that in front of something else. Like, see, that wouldn't even just, have been bad if the angle was different, but it looks like he's got his elbow pointing straight down. Like you can't if somebody's holding their hand in front of their face, it's like a 45 degree angle. Right, your elbow is pointing out. It's not pointing straight down to the ground. So I think that that yeah. was probably for me. That was the worst part. But yeah, you're right. The the it, it does look like two separate layers of film, and it, it kind of gives it away. But you did say flat. you said that it's it's not necessarily that it's bad because if you watch that right out of the gate, you're like, this is a great movie. But we had, <laughs> and as much as we bag on Lucas. We had those touch-ups. We had those those little uh, additions of CGI and just just little things to kind of give it a little bit more flavor than it had. In well, the and original, to bring it into, in I mean, when you have when you have the original trilogy sandwiched in between, <coughs> excuse me, sandwiched in between what is essentially the golden age of CG with uh, CGI, which is nineteen ninety nine to, to present. It, it doesn't age well. So when you touch yeah. those up and change the color palette and add stuff in the background that can move, you know, remove some of the original stuff that was just set pieces because that's the best you could do at that time. And, and you know, and put in, you know, Bantha's moving and, and reacting in the background. Like, it, it makes it feel... And... Yeah, like, it makes it feel a little bit more in line with the other movies. I mean, sure. you can definitely... You know that it's not, but... You know, it gives you a little bit more sauce with the chicken nugget than just a plain right. chicken nugget. Gives you a little hot and these mustard three and were, Szechuan. Yeah, these these three were just plain chicken nuggets. These now, were unbreaded chicky nug nugs. <laughs> chicky chicky nug nugs. Now, so the, I I didn't the get through them. Speeder too. You remember the sand speeder? It was like the sand speeder uh, originally. There were two different ones. One of them was on wheels, so it was literally like a little go kart that was driving through Tunisia. And then the second one was. Um, it was on, um, I don't even know how it is. It was like a pole, essentially. So it was a pole inside the side of the speeder, and it just kind of moved around in, in a circle, basically. Yeah. And so the one that was on wheels, what they did was they would go in frame by frame on the film and, and use, I think they said, like Vaseline or something to smudge out the wheels on <laughs> on the film and again 1977 or you know 76 was when it was being made 77 was when it was released th- th- at that time that was like state of the art special effects it was wonderful flash forward to the 2000s not so much so yeah, a little it's just bit the of, weird pink smudge underneath it like yeah. it was a uh. little bit of cgi on uh, lucas's part is is uh is welcome in some of those circumstances so so I, I feel bad because I stopped after Empire ended. I'm like, I'm not, I don't even want to watch Jedi. I don't know that I could watch the Jedi Ewoks. <laughs> because Lucas right. went in and added independent blinking to make them look less creepy. And, like, that's a good touch-up. Well, like, we've talked about this original, before. But it wasn't as good. It, it, didn't, it, it oh, felt it? mechanical. Well, and, and we, we're, we will do a Star Wars couple of shows where we go through the the trilogies and and watch them and and critique them but as much as like you said as much as we bitch about lucas and you know fucking with stuff like it is really it is for the better and if you don't believe me try going back and watching the theatricals like you can find yeah it's pure but well these are these were on dvd sold at walmart like 
back in 2000 when the when remember when the um when they first released like Indiana Jones and then Star Wars the original um right. in the box set this was a like I think it was a Walmart exclusive where it was the box set and it had two discs and one of them was the theatrical release now it's it's called that it's not actually the theatrical release it's like the um it's the laser disc with a little bit of touch up so it's not 100% accurate but it's as close to there's a project online to like restore Lucas's original episode four Star Wars. And yeah. They, they use like stills and they go into the computer and they they desaturate the colors and they use the laser discs and stuff. This is as close to being able to purchase it as a as opposed to going online and trying to find a bootleg copy of what these guys are doing to restore the film. But you know, I, I just it, it's it's as close as you're gonna get with the ease and and they're just a nightmare in comparison. Like I would never watch one, two, three, and then these versions of four, five, six, and then seven, eight, nine. That would be terrible. Right. But but I figured starting with those three, doing them because you know everyone says, well, one and one through three and the and the sequels, those those don't exist. Those aren't Star Wars. It's just those three films. So I figured starting those three and then going back and watching the the quote unquote Palpatine saga, since Ray was a Palpatine. As opposed to the, the the Luke Skywalker portion of it, like I thought, well, it'd be easier to do. Right, it's on pause. But instead, coming back full circle to Henry Cavill's fake mustache, as much as I hate the DCEU, I went back and started rewatching those. Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit, and it kind of shocked me. So why don't you <laughs> tell the people what you thought upon second viewing? Man of Steel was, in my opinion, a terrible Superman movie. But after rewatching it, I actually enjoyed it a lot. And and the parts that I had a problem with, which were like him killing Zod. Yeah. I, I, I guess I blocked out the fact that Zod was, you know, they're in what is essentially Metropolis's version of Grand Central Station. Um, and Zod's trying to like heat blast a mom, a dad, and a kid. And that's why Superman has him in that chokehold and is, you know, is trying to stop him and screaming at him and stuff. I didn't remember the kids. I thought he was just like, ah, crack your neck. But, like, there was a <laughs> yeah. struggle there. And then the emotion after it where he was, like, freaking out, no, I just killed, you know, uh, not only did I kill somebody, which I don't like doing, I had to make that choice for the for the betterment of humanity, but I killed some one of the few remaining Kryptonians in this universe. Right. And now I, you know, because like the whole thing was I'm truly alone. Even he even has that scene with Kevin Costner where he's like, you know, you're not my dad. And he's like, yeah, you're right. I'm not. But I'm trying. You know, your mother and I are trying. Like he comes right out and, and you know, the Chris Reeve version never did that. They, it just was accepted that. And even Smallville, Jonathan Kent was his father. Yeah. And Jarrell was his abandoned dad that he hated from miles away, but because he didn't understand. Blah, and blah, to blah, his whatever. credit, John Schneider made a great Jonathan Kent. He really I did. Think he did really he good. He really did. Yeah. I liked when Tom Wopat was in uh, Smallville. Yes. For that one episode. I'd love like, when they do that oh. crap. <laughs> when they, like, yeah. they tie it together. Yeah, that was really good. Um, Kevin Costner did a fantastic job in that movie. He's just he's good in everything he does from from my perspective. But uh, you know, and as his father, I, I think he and and you can always tear it apart. You can tear apart the fact that it's like okay, you know, when that tornado comes through, he didn't have to sacrifice himself. There was a way out of that. But, um, but yeah, overall, it, definitely a good movie. And 
we were talking about this too. The uh, HBO Max with um, the Snyder cut of uh, yeah. <laughs> of Jurassic Park. <laughs> Just kidding. Justice <laughs> League coming out. Um, I'm really excited to see that because I think Justice League was. It had the potential to be a good movie, but you saw all of the things that made it a bad movie. Uh, and and you're like, you, you could go right down the list. This, that, and the next thing made it a bad movie. If you were to tweak this, tweak that, it would have made it much better. And I think being able to give Snyder the... Um, you know, the artistic license to be able to go back and, and really flesh out his own vision of it, I think is a, it, it's cool. I'm glad that the, the campaign to get that back on the books uh, was successful. Yeah, I mean, I, I hated Batman v Superman at Dawn of Justice when I saw it in the theater with you. I, I, I was like, this, it might be the worst movie I've ever seen with superheroes in it. <laughs> I wouldn't like, go that far, but... But close. Yeah. Well, with, with with the caveat with Super, like I enjoyed Electra better than I enjoyed. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Batman v Superman. Like it was, it was not, it was not good. But then when I watched the Snyder cut, the director's cut, that three hour version, I was like, this is a great movie. Yes. Like I, I was sold on it. I'm like, this is what they should have released. And the fact that they didn't really bother me because I'm like, dude, I I remember people paying multiple amounts of money to see the re-release of Lord of the Rings when they when they put them in theaters for the four-hour versions, the, those extended, extended, extended cuts. Right. I saw Return of the King at the at the Dollar Theater with my ex-fiance. Like, and, and yeah, we stopped halfway through. Like, we got up and went and had a smoke and then came back in because we're like, this is a long-ass It's a movie. long movie, yeah. But still, people put that money out there. So, like, why wouldn't you release... In theaters, same thing with this with uh, the Justice League. Like, I get that HBO is gonna is gonna put the money into you know finishing the the effects and CG and stuff, and you know there's even talk of some rewrites and and just doing ADR and post and and. Uh, but this one, know, I even it, get. Like, I understand this one because Snyder had to duck out because he had a family tragedy, and then Joss Whedon took over, so he he wasn't able to to complete his vision in that final theatrical release and now he's able to go back and and put the finishing touches on it it's movies right. like like you said with uh with Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice that's one where like dude I, studio has to step out of the way and just let the director do their shit you know <laughs> because i mean Unless it's part of the the vision where they they do a version of it and then they say, all right, we're go- we're going to give you director's cut, but we're going to release that separately, and you can make money on the side from that. You know what I mean? Which is a shitty thing to do, quite frankly. You know, it just kind of like messes with the fans a little bit. But you know, I with with Justice League, I kind you know I understand it because of what went on and why Snyder had to step aside. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you there, but, like, the problem is is that Justice League, or uh, Batman v Superman, when the studio got involved, that was a shitty cut, and they basically just went, we have a $200 million three-hour movie, and we can't put it in the theaters because this is a movie for children. Like, essentially, it's it's geared towards kids, it's going to sell, it's going to sell action figures, it's geared towards the adults as, and those of us who grew up with like Superman and, and the 89 Batman and stuff too. But it's, it's like, you know, it's a Transformers movie, Indiana Jones, Star Wars. Like those are not adult films. They're, they're made for children to sell toys and lunchboxes and all that stuff. 
sleeping bags and, and crap. Right. We just have the, because we were kids when they came out, we just have that, like, no, Star Wars is serious. It's not. It's not serious at all. Yeah, it's None of the flick. movies we like are serious right. at all. None of them are Schindler's List. None of them are Saving Private Ryan. None of them are Band of Brothers. Like, they're <laughs> <That's> not. <true. laughs> they're, none of them are the pianist. Um, but, you know, we... we we look at these like, oh, this is this is you know supposed to be gritty and dirty and blah blah blah, and you know because of the Nolan one, and then when we we get a, a hyped up you know oversaturated color one, we're like, oh, it's terrible. Well, the studio stepped in and cut and made Snyder or whoever was running the editing at that point cut out an hour of the the film basically. Like the story was not connective. There was no connective tissue at all. It just jumped around and it felt chopped up. There was no story. Yeah. New Line, though, New Line did it right with Lord of the Rings, which is they went, okay, go film your epic. Go put out a 12-hour brick of movies. We're going to cut it down to two hours, but you have control to cut it down to fit these two hours. So film whatever you want. Make it an intellectual story that we can actually put out and have it make sense and sell to the audience in two-hour chunks. And then you can have the you know back end or whatever on the four hour re-releases mm-hmm. and the the DVD sales on it. Like that is a way better, in my opinion, way to do things as opposed to okay, here's my here's my epic Superman versus Batman. What everyone's been wanting to see, every fan's been wanting to see since Christopher Reeve showed us a man could fly, and then we got Turd Ferguson and the ten gallon hat. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like just just. Either release the three hours or or let Zach cut it down to make sense. Or right. tell him that in the beginning. Like, hey, man, you, you have this, you know, like they, they had the script. They, they have the storyboards. You can tell how many how many beats, you know, action beats per page are on there and how long the movie's going to be based on how thick the fucking script is. So just tell him, like, you, you have to have a secondary shooting schedule that allows this to be cut to fit this time frame. And then we'll, we'll let you do both then that's fine. Not this, you know, not, not, not this, you know, unconnected story that, you know, you waste your money to see. Cause you're like, this is finally going to be the best thing ever. It's Affleck and Cavill, a great Superman. And, and what we're hoping is an amazing Batman. And then you get, you and know. he turned out to be, I, I, I gotta say like the whole, the whole Batfleck thing, it, it had me worried and I was crossing my fingers the entire time saying, please make him good. Please make him good. He was, <laughs> don't let it be daredevil again. He was so much better than Clooney. He was so much better than Val Kilmer. Um, not as good as Christian Bale, definitely, but he, he was good. He, I liked the grizzled, uh, kind of, you know, I'm too old for this shit kind of Batman. I dug that. Um, you know, and I think that he, he did well with the, um, you know, the emotional turmoil that Wayne was going through with, um, the, the aftermath of Superman coming in and battling Zod and, uh, you know, the fallout from all that. So I, I think he was great. And I love the fact that he and Cavill are both in talks to come back and, and get those roles back on, uh, back on their feet. I think I hope it works out. Me too. Me too. I um I was a fan of of Affleck doing that from the beginning. Uh, I never wavered in my in my support of Ben. Um I cuz he was I the truly thought, Phantoms, yo. <laughs> well, I know. I just I truly thought he would be fantastic because I've seen him emote multiple times. 
I mean, just watch him in Bounce. I mean, that's it, that's an amazing movie. If you take yeah. the Kevin Smith stuff out, just watch Bounce and watch him play that character. And that is your emotional turmoil. But so for me, and you, we've talked about this. I don't know if we've talked about it on the show or not, but like there are a lot of actors who have played Batman and there are a lot of actors who are either a good Batman and a shitty Bruce Wayne or right. a really good Bruce Wayne and a shitty Batman or some are just shitty as both or some are great as both. Yep. Like Adam West was a great Bruce Wayne and a great Batman for that era. Absolutely perfect. Yeah, Michael Keaton was a great was Batman. The direction for that particular Batman, <laughs> you know, yeah. nobody else could do with Batman slash Bruce Wayne what Adam West did in the sixties. Yeah, um, Michael Keaton was a great Batman, but I didn't believe him. I did not buy him as as Bruce Wayne at all. He just did not seem like that part. See, I did. I did. I, th- I think that that he because he acts with his eyes and there were there were some scenes and I can show you exactly which ones. If we sat down and watched the film, I can point out specifically the ones I'm talking about where you can see the the turmoil that he's going because at the end of the day, that's what Batman is. Batman is a superhero that's that's born out of um, angst and and pain and grief and all of those things. And and. You know, the rage comes out and that vengeance comes out, but at the base of it all is sadness. And and I think Keaton did a really good job of playing that through his eyes. And, you know, it's just a few scenes here and there in the across the two movies. But I think that he did. I think he did a great job. And and the whole thing there, too, was you you remember like his, his biggest role prior to picking up Batman, putting the cowl on was Beetlejuice. So I remember the headlines back in the in the, the mid to late 80s. Beetlejuice to Batman, Beetlejuice to Batman. It's like, is he going to be able to pull it off? And so there was that huge thing with, is he going to be able to turn from a uh, comedic, you know, mostly doing comedic roles and turn that around into this, uh, you know, troubled vigilante character? And and I think that he was able to straddle that line between all of those dramatic and, and angsty stuff and a little bit of comedy. Like, he threw some some funny stuff in there as well. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are just, there are things that take me out of that. Like, he to me, he just, he doesn't, he doesn't look like Bruce Wayne. He looks like Michael Keaton trying to be, trying to be like. Cause, so my experience Birdman. with Michael Keaton was 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 you know with uh, uh, what were Gung those Ho? movies that he was like Mister Mom. Mom, yeah. Um, Gung Ho was a great one, I think. Um, and then um, Beetlejuice and stuff. And so I I was just like, okay, he looks the same in all these movies. Not I mean obviously not Beetlejuice, but like when when Michael Keaton's on screen, he has the same pompadour hair. And he just, he always looks the, the same. They did not do a good job of making him look elegant and ritzy and whatever. They, they literally just threw him in a tuxedo or an expensive suit, and that was it. And yeah. even the line when, like, he's eating dinner with Vicki Vale for the first time, and he's like, you know, I don't even think I've ever been in this room before. You grew up in this mansion. It is your family home. You've never been in the formal <laughs> dining room before. You're 40, and you just threw a huge party for yourself. Like... I, I didn't yeah, I didn't buy that. Funny. Now it's funny. When when he was when he was in the Batcave wearing glasses and watching the monitors, that was better. But then there's the scene where he's like, You wanna get nuts? Let's get nuts. Like that oh, was that straight part. out of Beetlejuice and I hate it. I was like, nah, it's not great. I think he was a better Bruce Wayne in Batman in Batman Returns than he was in, in Batman. 
Yeah, I think that's he true. I think he was better in that. But then like Kilmer, I think Kilmer made a shitty Batman, but a really good Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I think he made a really good Bruce Wayne because he had that swagger that uh, that Keaton did not have. Mm-hmm. And, and the he had the I don't Clooney. give a fuck. Clooney had a little bit of See, swagger, too, but not the way that Kilmer did. Like Kilmer's was more suave and and Clooney's was more kind of like, you know, shoulder shruggy. I, I, like I, I don't even know how to explain it, but um Every time Clooney talks, he does this head bob thing, and like, and he kind of like he he put puts his chin down to his chest and kind of looks out the top of his eyes. So like, yeah. you, you watch that, and he's got that Clooney esque thing, but he doesn't have the the stud swagger that Kilmer did. I mean, I think he could. I think Clooney could probably play old Batman now in a serious role with a serious oh. script, dude. Batman but back Beyond. then, I. Yeah, yeah, that I would, would watch awesome. that. But in all honesty, when I when I saw Batman was it Batman and Robin or Batman, yeah, Batman and Robin, that he that Clooney did, I just saw Clooney. I, it was the same thing for me. Like I was like, that's George Clooney. He's on ER and he was on Roseanne and he beat up Jackie. And right. then I was <laughs> there, and then like with Batman, I was like, that's that's uh, that's Michael Keaton. Like that's not. It's not anyone like Kilmer to me was Bruce Wayne. Like I didn't see Kilmer. I saw Bruce Wayne and it was a big difference. And, and I would argue that, that Clooney was a bad Batman and a bad Bruce Wayne that in my opinion, I just, of those, of the four, I will, I will say that that's the most forgettable. I would say that Christian Bale was an amazing Batman and a really good uh, uh, Bruce Wayne, but I didn't like him in uh, the third one when he was trying to play the old man Bruce Wayne. I'm like, they gave him facial yeah. hair and like uh, a limp. Like he's still 220 pounds of solid muscle without a gray hair. Like what? No, come on. Right. Not right. even like he didn't even try. You're just like, eh, it's fucking Kilmer. Whatever. Or uh, it's a uh, it's Bale. Who cares? So it, to me, I was like, that's eh, not great, so, but so, it was the best we had. Yeah. So I will ask you this. So who do you think was the best Batman, and who do you think was the best Bruce Wayne? Like, out of all of them? Yeah. Or, like, the one who did the best job for both at the same time? Each. Each. You can, you can split it up. Bale was the best Batman, and uh, Adam West was the best Bruce Wayne. Really? Yeah. He really uh, was. I, I was going to say I think Bale was the best Batman and Affleck was the best Bruce Wayne. Well, and, and, and it's, hard, so that, it's hard to make the comparison, too, because Affleck was a different Wayne than any of the other ones. He was the grizzled, uh, you know, kind of hiding out in my mansion thing. You know, he, he was more weathered than the rest of them. So he wore that that, uh, you know, that beaten down attitude on his sleeve where the rest of them didn't and yeah so so it's tough to compare him to the rest but like just kind of on the surface level who would i want to see in that role it, it, it would be affleck well and that's why i asked the clarifying question because if the if the question is who played the best batman and bruce wayne on film at the same time it's affleck i agree hands down but i just i'm looking at it like you know if i look at adam west's portrayal of bruce wayne it's consistent throughout 
every the the movies and the TV shows, and it's it's perfect for that story. The it's funny, more perfect than anyone else. Yeah, but the funny thing is, is that each of the Batman slash Bruce Wayne's had there there's some sort of differentiation between the two, whether it's uh you know um. Christian Bale's affectation with his voice where, uh, where is he? Uh, or, or you've got Affleck who had it and they made it a point to write this into the story where it was built into the, the cowl to distort his voice. So there was a, a mechanical aspect to it or technological aspect to it. Adam West, Which I Batman and Bruce Wayne talked the exact same way. The cadence was the same. Their rhythm was the same. Their mannerisms were the same. It, it was just like the only difference was that gray and blue outfit that he had on. That was it. Yeah. No, I know. But I still think he was the best. Soul, like he had the best consistent. Yeah. Bruce Wayne. And I, I mean, I, again, I love character. Affleck. He's my favorite. Well, he's not anymore. He he is in. Uh, they just did an animated movie. Him and Burt Ward did the voices in the animated movie, like yeah, three he, years he's ago. He's dead. He's dead. He's not doing it anymore. Adam West is dead. Adam West is not dead, dude. Adam, look it up right now. Adam West died. I, I will look it up right now. He's still alive. look it up right now. We we will wait. We, the sh- I'm not even editing this out. The show will okay. wait. He's not alive. Adam West, Batman American actor, dead. Oh yeah, he died in 2017. No shit. Yep, yep. Yeah, so he's definitely not doing the voice anymore. I definitely not doing the voice anymore. (laughs) So yeah, he's been dead for a hot minute. Oh, that's Um, right. I I think you were on stage playing playing your guitar. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Okay, jokes. Um, But yeah, so so I I I don't know why I was I did not watch these DC movies in order. I watched Man of Steel, and then I was like, what comes next? I think it's Wonder Woman, and I put Wonder Woman on. And I was, and then I was looked at the dates, and I'm like, nope, Batman v Superman was next, and then I think, I think it was that, and then, um, Suicide Squad, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I think so. They're so forgettable, but I'm excited to go back and rewatch it. But I did, I did go back and I, I started Wonder Woman, and I'm like, well, this is just a perfect movie. Yeah, I Wonder love Wonder Woman. Woman. I it was, the effects were amazing. I love the fact that it's in World War One. I. I I love the story arc. I love the twist when when uh, what's his shit from, from the English uh, guy is is Ares and not the German guy. Yeah, I loved it. I was like, this is just it's Great a perfect movie. movie. Yep, the acting and casting was fantastic. I'm excited for Wonder Woman 84 for the same reason. And even though I'm not really a Christian, it's, I shouldn't, it's not fair to say that. I think Kristen Wiig is very talented. But she's been in a lot of stuff that I'm like, oh, she's just really being Kristen Wiig in this thing. Yeah. Like, I loved her in Bridesmaids. I thought that was her best movie. I didn't care for her in Ghostbusters. And what I'm not even dogging the no. movie. I'm just saying, like I'll she just seemed like Kristen Wiig. And, well, that's fine. You can. I'm, what I'm saying is, I'm not saying that movie was bad, so I hated everybody. I'm just saying with her, she the the character that she played. I'm like, it just seems like Kristen Wiig playing a character. Like it was like Saturday Night Live, where you're like, oh, she's the Target Lady. You know, like that's that's yeah, that's all I saw. It, it, listen, even Target Lady is a character that she plays, and she can take it over the top and and have all the characteristics of that particular character. But there are a lot of roles where she just it feels like she's playing herself, like a female well, version Paul. of Seth Rogen. Yeah, 
Yeah, like in, in Paul. Like, I hated her in Paul. Yeah, oh, yeah. And you probably <laughs> doubly hated that movie because her and Seth Rogen are in it. Oh, it was so bad. Yeah, her and Seth okay. Rogen were doing their shtick. And then um, Peg and Frost were not, you know, they, they did not live up to their potential in that movie either. So it was just, I well, mean, it was so bad on so many different levels. I, I liked it. I thought it was okay. Yeah, I'd go would. back and rewatch it. <laughs> I liked it. I didn't think it was that bad. Oh, uh, crap. So, at any rate, I'm really super excited to, to get through the rest of these DC now that I've done the Marvel ones and see if my feelings have changed at yeah. all. I mean, again, I'm, I'm a Marvel fanboy over a DC fanboy every day, but I, I'll always give DC the benefit of the doubt when they're like, all right, we got a new Batman. I'm like, all right, let's fucking strap in. Yeah. It's not going to be as good as Iron Man, but well, see the thing is is that I'm a DC guy. Like my earliest memories are, you know, finding a, a small red sheet and tying it around my neck so I could be Superman. Like and then Super Friends uh and all of the DC stuff when I was a kid. That's where I was. My mindset was Superman and Justice League. Period. Um I started to get into Marvel a bit during you know, late elementary, junior high, early high school. And then I really got into Marvel when the movies started coming out. Um, I was I was right in line to see Iron Man right out of the gate. So, you know, and then each one thereafter has just been better and better and better. And it's just it's it's exponentially gotten better as each movie came out. So, you know, even the ones that are bad in the MCU are still really good movies. Oh, straight up, straight up. So people dog Iron Man three. And I, when I watched it, I was like, yeah, it's not it's it's not a perfect movie, but it's still really good. Eh. Iron Man three. I, w- I would not call really good. I would say it's good or or it's it's less bad than a lot of the DC stuff. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and I'm, I'm like you, too. I mean, I remember like my I, I actually didn't even know that Marvel and DC were different. Because I used to watch the animated Spider-Man cartoon from the 70s when they would they would replay yeah. it on, like, USA or whatever. Me too. So, like, I remember watching that, and I had, um, and, the, and then the, the Super Friends, the Hall of Justice, and I had the, the collectible guys. I had the almost the entire first generation where, like, you remember you would, like, squeeze their legs, like, and, yeah, they, like, Superman's arms would go back and forth. And yep. So, like, I had all those in the and vehicles the and stuff. And the had that big hammer, and, like, you'd squeeze yeah. his legs, and he would swing the hammer. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I had I had all that, but then I the, Marvel also came out with the same size, but they were like they were like the Star Wars figures where they did they weren't really movable. Like it's just whatever pose they came into, like the the shoulders and the hips would move, and that's it. The head wouldn't move. You couldn't yeah. you couldn't move the hands and, and stuff off of it. But I used to play with those all the time. So I had like Captain America, Doc Ock, Spider Man, Black Suit Spider Man, um, and Doctor Doom. And I remember they all had shields, and inside the shield, it was one of those where, like, I don't remember what they're called, but when you, you like, move the shield and it shows, like, a different cartoon cell. Right. Like, almost, like, animated cell. Like, and I used to play with those all the time, and I had, uh, God, I think I had Captain America on his motorcycle, and I had a, a Spider-Man motorcycle and that they would fit onto, and... Yeah, so I just used to play with them all together, and I know I was always like, "Why is not Spider-Man ever in any of these cartoons?" Because I didn't, <laughs> you, I didn't know. You didn't know the differentiation between the two. That's funny. No, and I loved the the Superman movies. 
Oh yeah, like with Chris Reeve and stuff. Like that was that was yep. fantastic. And, and then the Flash you know. in the in the nineties, the early nineties with John Wesley Ship. That I was, I was all into that. And See, I didn't and, watch and that. Batman. We were talking about Batman with, uh, um, with Michael Keaton. Like it was all DC back then, but. They fell out of favor. Yeah. Marvel took over, and the only thing that DC had going for it was like some of the animated stuff was really good, and some of the uh, the TV stuff, the Greg Berlanti stuff with Arrow and the Flash, uh, and even that, like you know, a couple ep- uh, a couple seasons in, and it just fell off, and it just it just sucked. Like even the Flash, the Flash was the best of the Arrowverse shows, but even that I stopped watching because it was just. I don't know, man. They they tried too hard, I think. Well, and then they cast that um, that model uh, as Batwoman, and then she's leaving the show after the first Ruby season. Rose, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's not even and I, but I don't, I don't know if because they, I don't know that that it's because she didn't like the character, or like playing it, or she had some personal things come up that she wasn't able to to get away from. There, there, I don't know that I've read anything that it's it's very speculative from what I I've heard. Yeah. So there's I, there's a chance she might come back for some of the like uh, flashpoint stuff, but I, I mean I, I don't know what they're going to do. What with, do you do with that? What do you do with I that? Know. And, and uh, Stephen Amell is gone. He's not doing Arrow anymore. So I don't know. I, I stopped watching all those a while back because it just I don't know. I just it, it felt like uh, again it felt like they were trying too hard. It didn't feel organic when I was watching the shows. It felt like. Um, I don't know. It just it just felt like there was too much effort there. And I think that early on with those shows it flowed and there wasn't that flow in the in the later seasons. So I I fell out and it wasn't like a, a conscious I think I'm going to stop watching these shows. It was more um uh there's a new season of The Flash out. I'm like, "Oh, cool." Oh, well. And I just I go watch something else because it wasn't yeah. you know, top of mind or whatever. But that's one of those things for me where it's like if it's not if it's not important enough, like what was it that I, I've got some show on my DVR? Oh, friggin' Doctor Who! I've got a bunch of episodes of of this last season of Doctor Who that I've never watched, and I'm like, you know what? I think I'm okay. Like I think I'm Doctor Who'd out at this point. Like I don't enjoy the storylines. It's way too socio political. I just, I just want the adventure with. I mean, I don't care who plays the doctor, man, woman, vegetable. Does I mean, you know, I don't care, but just have good writing and good acting, and and it just, right. it, it kind of fell off with the, um, the last dog with Capaldi. Like there were some really good episodes, and and some that I was like, eh, I don't well, really. It's not, it's not tickling my fancy. Who, who was the showrunner? It's Chibnall now, I believe. Who I think was it was the one was before it that Moffat before that Moffat. Maybe there might have been so. someone in between him and, but yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I just, and I don't, I just don't care. I, I really don't. I mean, I'll, I'll probably get caught up at some point with it. My dog is doing some crazy dog stuff right now. <laughs> Choose a call. Um, he, uh, he, he, I think he wants to go out again. I don't know. He keeps going to the window and looking at the neighbors. I had to close the window down because the neighbors were having a little outdoor social gathering. Oh, nice. Um, but at, at any rate, I, I, I'll probably go back and revisit Doctor Who this, this last season. 
because they're going to end up getting a new doctor again, and I'll be like, oh, well, let's see what these adventures look like, and then I'll hate it again and whatever. <laughs> it just, it, to me, like, it's just not going to get better than David Tennant. No, I, I just, was going to say, not- t- Tennant put the bar up so high. Um, I think Matt Smith came close to hitting yeah, that Yeah, I really bar. like Matt. But uh, Capaldi, he tried a different angle with the Doctor, kind of a more cynical, uh, a-hole kind of a a vibe. And he actually got better as the seasons went. So, like, just as I was starting to really like him, that was when they they had him regenerate into... um, into the, the current incarnation of the doctor. And, and I love Jodie Whittaker too. I think she's great. Um, but like you said, I think that, that she is victim of bad writing. I think Chibnall coming in as the new showrunner, it, it, it kind of, it, and I do have to say that this past season was far better than the previous season. So her, her first season was, it was okay. Second season with Jodie as the doctor, much, much better. And hopefully the third season with her will be even better than that. Well, then maybe I will go back and watch this then if it's better. Because I think I got like two or three episodes in and I just... It wasn't that I consciously stopped watching it. It's just that other things became more important than sitting down and watching Doctor Who. And like I remember a time... Like I remember when I got caught up because you got me into Doctor Who because that was my line where I'm like, I'm not going to watch this. And I went back and watched all of them. And I was like, this is great. But I remember a time with like... I would record Doctor Who on Sunday nights. Is that when it was on? Yeah. And then I would wait a whole week to watch it. And I would watch it Saturday morning. I would get up. I'd make a pot of tea. I would I would cook breakfast. And then I would sit at, on my couch and watch Doctor Who and eat breakfast up. for an hour. <laughs> pot of tea and, and the then, proper no, fry I would, up. <laughs> it, no, it was, it, was, it was tea and, like, steel-cut oak. Like, that, that's all it was. But I would sit there for an hour, and, and that's, like, how I would get through the... Because I hate oatmeal, but that's how I would get through just bland, plain oatmeal. <laughs> Take me an hour to eat it, but, like, and, dr- and drink some tea. Well, I just didn't want the extra, didn't want the extra mm-hmm. calories. Now I'll just eat brown sugar by itself. And there you go. Skip the oats. You know but, what you do? You um, put it in a pot, you, you make a little syrup out of it, put that in an IV yeah. bag. It's the shit. Yeah. So so let me I'm I'm going to do a clunky transition here. So we're talking about shows. Kabunk, kabunk, kabunk. We we went from uh you know the Arrowverse shows, we're talking about Doctor Who. Um none of those shows are done. They don't have finales yet. But uh I will say Well, that, some of the Arrow shows are done. No, they're all done. Or, or they're they're still going. Arrow is Arrow is still going without Stephen Amell, which it's going to last a season, dude. But whatever. Oh. You know, The Office went what four seasons? <laughs> after uh, after Michael Scott left, mm, yeah, something, something like, like that. that. So three or four, yeah, I don't know. So let me transition into our main topic for today, which is going to be show finales. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. And I'm going to start with talking about Dexter, which is a show that uh, that both of my sisters recommended to me. I freaking loved it. It was so great. And like you talked about. Uh, in our, I believe it was our last show. You were talking about how the um, the fourth, fourth and fifth, or fifth and sixth. I can't remember the season numbers, but um, the ones with uh, um, who's the guy? John Lithgow. Lithgow. That's right. Why is his name slipping my mind? Lithgow was great. Who's the guy? Who that guy? 
Um, the one with um, Colin Hanks was great. Uh, so yeah, I mean, great. Julia show. Styles. Julia that, Styles. Uh, my was two great. favorites are the Julia Styles one and the uh, yes. Yeah, Julia and, and was the between the two, right? Yeah. So, so that was when it peaked, and then after that, it just started to kind of, I don't know. It's like oh, okay, yeah, it, right. it lost something here. Yeah, it, it it lost something after it, but the ending of Dexter was just a nightmare. The ending was that bad. whole that whole last season. The whole last season but just that, felt like they were they were stretching for something. Or, you know, it's like, okay, well, we got to end the show, so what are we going to do? Everyone, uh, if you haven't made enough money yet, get 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 everything in that you can because we've got one more in us, and then we're all cashing out. Right, right. And I think, Cash too, me outside. How about that? I think, too, with... Uh, I think if something was left to the imagination, it would have been a little bit better, too. Because you have... Okay, he says... Um, and and it's just like he has this turning point on the boat where he says, I destroy everyone that I'm around, Deb and uh, Harrison and Hannah, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I, I, I don't want to ruin them. So he, he turns his boat and he heads right into the hurricane. Okay. So then they cut to the rescue uh, team who's out there and says, no survivors. We just have the wreckage. And then they... Uh, they cut to Argentina, where Hannah and Harrison are, and she pulls up on her iPad. It's like uh, Miami <laughs> Miami Metro uh, forensic expert dies or, or is missing. No, you know, like that's going to be on the front page of some news thing. But then they cut to this logging town, and a bearded Dexter walks into this cabin and sits down, stares into the into the camera, and breaks the fourth wall. It's like. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you you could have done way better. Could have done way better, and they even had me. Even though the the writing was bad in the last two seasons, they had me up until he steered his boat into the hurricane. Like that, if they would have ended right there, it wouldn't have been a great ending because it was a pretty bad season. But I I would have said, hey, you know, yeah, I get it. I get it. This guy doesn't know what he's going to do. He's trying to run away, but everything he touches turns to shit. So he's going to steer his boat into a hurricane. Okay, cool. But then they have. Well, let him me ask you this. By himself. Oh, sorry, in go a, ahead. In a logging. T- it's like, what is he going to do? If he feels the, the, the pull again, you know, that desire to kill, what's he going to do? Find somebody and catch a can of Alaska or wherever the hell he is? I don't know. Well, how how would you have liked to have seen the show end? Like, if you could rewrite uh, maybe the closing season or a, like a story arc, like what what would you have thought would have been a, a great way to end it? it? It it's hard to say, but I think you know one of the things that I really like. All right, so I think a perfect ending to uh, a movie, TV show, whatever. I think a perfect ending was Inception. Okay, so the final scene of Inception, you got that top spinning on the table and it cuts to black. So it leaves a little bit to the imagination of the viewer. It doesn't really tie things up. You could say to yourself, "Uh oh, what's going to happen from here? But you've got enough, right? Like there's there's a bit of closure there, but there's still a little bit left on the table and you walk away entertained and fairly satisfied. So if I were writing Dexter, here's how I'd have done it. 
I would have I would have done exactly what they did with um, Dexter turns his boat into the hurricane. He goes into the hurricane. Everybody assumes that he's dead. But then in the final two seconds of the movie, they, or, or the show, or like the final two seconds, they show him walking up to Hannah. She has a surprised look on her face. Then you, you turn to a POV shot of Hannah where like you're looking at Dexter through her eyes and then over his shoulder in Argentina or wherever the hell they're at, you see Angel, for example, something like that, where and then and then roll credits. So it's like, okay, you get uh, at first you think, oh, he's killing himself in the hurricane. But then surprise, he goes and meets Hannah and Harrison in Argentina. And then you think, okay, they live happily ever after. But then, another surprise, you got Angel over his shoulder. He finds them in Argentina for whatever reason. And then roll credits. So there's that, I don't know, I like those endings that don't necessarily tie everything up. And it leaves a little bit. So, I don't know. What about you? If I was going to end Dexter, I think that when Deb finds out who Dexter is... She she arrests him. She doesn't do that whole like you're my brother. Huh? She just That's a good she, point. she she arrests him. And I think that you can write an entire like seven or eight episode closing arc of him being questioned by Deb, being questioned by the captain, being questioned by the lieutenant and being studied. And then they just put him like the, it ends with him in a mental institution in solitaire, and he like and he's he's like almost like Hannibal like he's he's just he's in isolation by himself. He only has himself in four walls, and like you see, it's like a white padded room or whatever. He closes his eyes, and when he opens it, there's blood running down the walls because he lives inside of his head, and then that's it. Oh, see, that's like I better. think you go. I think you go full psychological thriller for for episodes. You know, how could you do this? And they're you know they're trying to put a case together with him or whatever. And then I mean, you can even cut to a, a do a, a smash cut of like a trial with like people crying and blah 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 whatever. And and uh, but it, I think it ends with the shot of you know like through his eyes, like it, it fades to black. You hear him, you know, inhale, exhale, and it opens his eyes, and then there's just blood running down the inside of it, oh, and then I love boom, it. done. Da, 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 da. That would have been so much better than what we got. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now so, I don't know. Did you ever watch um, Hannibal, the the Hannibal Lecter TV show with Matt Mickelson? One episode. Or whatever? So tell me about that. Oh, it was it was probably so i'm i'm a huge fan of the of the books so that's that those are first i actually do read sometimes and those are books that i love reading i'm i'm a huge fan of the books i really like the movies a lot all there's like five movies so like manhunter came out in the 80s that's actually red dragon that's got brian cox playing hannibal lecter right and it's got um the guy from the first csi the, with a beard, Michael something or other, or William something or other, he, he played Will. Uh, and then they did Silence of the Lambs. Of course, everyone knows that. Anthony Hopkins, brilliant in that. Jodie Foster, brilliant in that. Yep. Hannibal came out, and it's a truncated version of the book. There's so much more in the book that's so much better. 
Uh, and then they went back and did Red Dragon, which I thought was was pretty clever, and they did it very well, and I thought it was cast very well also. Um, and then they released the 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 book, and I, and I think years ago you and I were talking about like what's the next Hannibal book because I because I loved the the book so much, and that was right when Red Red Dragon came out, and I'm like. Mm-hmm. They did. The, they did the prequel. I said now they need to do a sequel to Hannibal and end it. And they need to. They need to call it the Cannibal Chronicles. And it needs to be him writing his memoirs on his deathbed, and then flashing back to all of his kills, all of the unanswered kills between you know when he was a young man and Red Dragon when he got caught, and then when he was freed after you know the Hannibal movie. And just going back and addressing those and giving us, you know, closure, but also a horror movie, but done in that in that vein. Instead, we got young Hannibal Lecter played by some French kid who it just it took the last couple of chapters of the book Hannibal. And that's what they kind of used to make uh, Hannibal Rising. And it just didn't do its service. And the movie was not great. And Mm -hmm. it really just it took Hannibal Lecter and because his whole thing was. You know, and Jodie Foster says it. There's not a name for what he is. He's a true monster, and it, it gave it a name. It, it showed you what what made him the way that he was, as opposed to just not being able to be categorized. And it took something away from the character, and I didn't like that. Yeah, and the, there again, the, I mean, there's something to to leaving things a bit nebulous and and unanswered. Right. You know, if like had they had they not made that fourth movie, released that book, and then just would have been those three, just Red Dragon, Sons of Lambs, and Hannibal. Yeah, that would have been perfect. Exactly, because it 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 ends just like how you said you wanted Dexter to end. It's got it's got Hannibal Lecter in Argentina going to an opera. It's got uh, um, oh god, what's what's uh, Clary Starling next to him? No, it's Clary Starling next to him, but he has brainwashed her into becoming his sister Mishka so she thinks he's his sister he's implanted essentially or like tricked her into having her memories and then Barney the the orderly from all the movies the, the black guy yeah he's he's there as well because he's been selling stuff on the black market and Hannibal and him catch eyes and they give each other a, 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 a nod of approval and then that's it you don't know if he kills Barney like he did with Dr. Chilton at the end of Silence of the Lambs, you don't know what happened. Just that Hannibal is there with Starling, seeing an opera in, a, in an extradition-free country, and two characters that have known each other for decades, you know, catch eyes. It was a brilliant ending. Now, the TV show Hannibal was great because it essentially did what I wanted it to do. It focused on, it was Will from Red Dragon and Hannibal uh, Mads Mad, is it Mads Mickelson is that or Mads Mickles or how do, how do you say his last name Mickelson I believe is the Mads Mickelson yeah it's 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 Mickey Mads plays <laughs> Hannibal and he's just creepy as fuck but they it's a psychological thriller and they they had I mean I can't even go into how great the first season was it was so such a a mind fuck and I think it was on NBC which made it even weirder yeah, and then the second season came out, and they were starting to bring in elements of Silence of the Lambs, but they didn't own the rights to the character names because there's different film studios that that produced them, and they they couldn't get the rights to use them. So they, instead of bringing in Clary Starling, they brought in um, uh, Scully from X Files. Uh, what's her name? Gillian uh, Anderson. Yeah, mm-hmm. to play what is essentially a version of that character, but completely 
different as well. And uh, the, the, and then the show got canceled after the second season, and it ends with Will and Hannibal fighting on the side of a cliff, and they and they both roll off the cliff. And, like, you don't know if they survive or not. Because the ocean's crashing down there, but there's it's rocky ledges, so one of them could have grabbed onto something, or you're just made to believe that they both died. And it was a great, quote-unquote, cliffhanger, because they could have come back for the third season and showed that Hannibal lives and Will died. And then it would move into the Silence of the Lambs era and then, you know, further on. But it, it never got saved on streaming, and it just went the way of the Dodo after two seasons. But it yeah. was a brilliant show that ended on this cliffhanger that is so unsatisfying because we never got the third season. So was it a bad ending? No, but it was bad because the show got canceled, and now you're just like... Well, don't even bother watching it because... Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, and uh, <laughs> here's another one. Heroes. Heroes was a great show oh. that ended on a cliffhanger that did not get resolved. Then they resurrected the show with some of the cast, but not all of the cast. And the show sucked so bad that I didn't even... <laughs> I didn't even see if they tied up any of the loose ends or, or you know, tried to resolve any of the storylines. I, I just stopped watching. It was so bad. Well, the problem with Heroes is that that first season was great, and it was always find the cheerleader, save the world, or save the cheerleader, save the world. Yeah. And then, like, the second season, they were like, well, what do we do now? Like, it was almost the J.J. Abrams mystery box where they're like, okay, well, what do we do now? Right. Well, how about if... and and it just became like this. Well, remember that there was the time travel aspect where Hero goes back to to Japan yep. and becomes his own hero in modern times and fights the English dude. And I'm like, this is so fucking weird and dumb, and I don't care for it. And and then the writer strike happened, which that's what ruined a lot of the TV shows in, of of our golden age of TV in the in the 2000s because um, the writer strike happened and they had to like ditch their storylines or do truncated versions of it because um, that's what ruined Lost all of the stuff they were just like oh we got to scramble and now we don't know what direction the story's going in Heroes yeah, was the same thing don't forget that with Lost they continued well after the writer's strike so the writer's strike no no I know it, it made some weirdness in the middle but they had plenty of time to make a good ending yeah, they just, when they course corrected, they just went, well, we're going to keep going down. You know, we're not going to go revisit any of those strings. We're just going to try to figure it out and keep adding in weird shit, keep building mystery box upon mystery box uh, until we yeah. figure it out. And then that Giant whole was last season or the, the, was the last season or the last episode with um, where they actually showed the, the, the two guys on the island who were always constantly battling. And they did that thing with, like, the carafe of wine where they're like, he's, I'm the cork, and he's always trying to pour the wine out, and we're at this, this odds of one another, but we're best friends who killed one another, and that's actually John Locke. And, and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> oh, man. That was such a good show. And then, like, last couple of seasons. Such just promise. Aww. Such promise. I'd so, like to go back and rewatch Lost and find its natural ending point and then just stop watching it. Right. I just agree. like season four, like episode eight, you're just like, that's where it should have stopped. Boom. 
So let me go through some of the so on. You know, there are there's tons of listicles out there where they've got best and worst show endings of all the time. Blah blah blah. So I'm going to go through some of the ones that I found that were pretty much constants on each of these lists. Uh, some of them you've seen, some of them I've seen, and some of them we have both seen. Uh, some of them together, as a matter of fact. Um, but none of them we've never seen. That is right. Well, actually, there are some that we've never seen. How about yeah, six? Like I was, I was on those lists, too, and I'm like, I never saw Saint Elsewhere, but I always wanted to. But then it ends with the whole thing is like an autistic kid's dream at the very end. And yeah, then somebody like, put oh, together on. that if you pull the, stre- the threads, there's like 400 and some odd shows that are in the same Saint Elsewhere's universe, like Friends and How I Met Your Mother and MASH and... Like, it's all in the same movie or TV universe. Like, every TV show. Futurama, Simpsons, like, they're really? all in that same universe. So, yeah, there's there's a whole diagram that, like, you can click on and then zoom into, and it shows you how they overlap or, or how, like... Because a lot of it's, like, with, um, with Lost and then whatever the, the next TV show is with, like, uh, that they did with, like, Lindelof did, where they had, like, Apollo bars showed up in there. Or it was Heroes. That's what it was. Heroes had Apollo bars, and so did Lost. And so oh, they're right. like, oh, they're yeah. in the same universe. Or like you would see in Heroes, like Oceanic Flights. And then. Yeah, dude. It was, that's what they, yeah. So like they had that was weird, like universe crossover things. But yeah, there's like 400 some things that they claim can be tracked down or, or started with like, because of this and St. Elsewhere, this is, this is now canon in that same universe. And it's you everything. You have to find that for X-Files, me. X-Files. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll get the link and then send it to you again, and we'll maybe we'll do a show about it. I don't know. I'm not watching 400 and some odd number of television nope. shows. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm sure there's a YouTube video that no. I'm sure there's like a 20 minute YouTube video that you know gives you the breakdown that we could expound upon. We'll, for we'll a have to leave hours. it at that. So did you did you so. watch Six Feet Under? I never watched it. I watched the first season because I lived at home with my parents still, and we had HBO, and so I watched the first season, but then. Uh, I, because of the, I had a shit job. I was working fast food and I ended up working the nights it was on. And so I stopped watching it and I never went back to it, sadly. Well, according to the list that I'm looking at right now, I believe it's a USA Today list. They said that that's one of the best endings of all time. Um, I'm going to try not yeah, to get isn't it- too far into it because I'd like to go and watch that show. But, oh, um, I actually, I think I know what the ending is, and I don't remember if I watched the season finale and was like, I should go back and watch all these episodes, or if I've just read those lists enough in my life that I'm like, I can picture it. Right, right. <laughs> but it's something to do with, like, the sons are not, like, the sons are, aren't there anymore, and the daughter's driving away, and she's like, see, because it's all about seeing, like, the, like the, the, the beginning of the show is like, the, the dad dies, but then his ghost is there constantly. It's the dad from Step Brothers, too, by the way. Oh, right. I don't know the actor's name, but it's it's him. That was my first, like, I was like, oh, that when Step Brothers came out, I was like, oh, it's the guy from Six Feet Under. That's and then hilarious. now anytime I see him, I'm like, that's the guy from Step Brothers. But it's like, it's him, and he shows up as a ghost, and he's, like, interacting with his family, but they can't see him. Yeah. But he's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird, but I guess that's a lot of characters end up dying in that show, and they brought them all back for the end, and... Starring like Michael T. Hall, right? So Dexter is a yeah. The guy who played Dexter is in that in that show. Yeah, I may yes, have to check he plays that out. A, he plays a homosexual in love with a black cop, which Ooh. is fodder for a bunch of, especially in that time, because I think it was 
late 90s, early 2000s maybe that that show came out. And so different world and everyone was like, oh, my God. Which is funny because <laughs> if you remember first season of Dexter, his foil, like the or was it first two seasons? I think it was the very first, first one where Dokes was his kind of his nemesis. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, OK, New Heart. This is one that we've talked about a lot. <laughs> How it's just a dream from the Bob Newhart show. Yeah, he gets hit in the head with a golf ball. I thought that was, I thought that was brilliant. But I, I the think fact that they brought his wife back and they made the set, they recreated it, and he just wakes up and he's like, "I just had the weirdest dream." But that's the best part is that it's meta and it like it references a completely different show. <laughs> you know, that's that to me is hilarious. I, I yeah I it's one of those where like I wish that I was older so that I could have watched that like in real time. I watched some of it in real time. That was one of those ones where my mom and dad watched it, and I was just kind of like in the corner, and I'd see it out of the corner of my eye or whatever. So yeah, but I mean like I mean like the Bob Newhart show and Newhart. Like oh, I wish yeah, yeah, I had yeah. been alive to watch saying. both of them. Like Cheers and Frasier. Like I watched all of Cheers, and we watched all of Frasier growing up. So like. When that when Fraser finally ended, I was like, "Wow, that's like a twenty year arc of that character that just stopped." Like that's the bulk of my life has yeah. been knowing Kelsey Grammer as Fraser. So what about Mash? I I watched Mash as a kid, but I don't remember the finale. Like it, it it's not. Oh. I I remember like I know that it's it's one of the most watched things on television of all time, and and it was a it was so good. I, I don't recall. I it, remember it quite frankly. So I everybody if, going if home, there's no, no, not everybody went home. So it was one of those things where, like, you know, on Mash, when when they would write a character off, they would kill him or whatever, and then replace him with the exact polar opposite. So like they wrote off Frank Burns and they brought in um, Colonel Potter. Like Burns was a bumbling colonel, and he was always the butt of the jokes, and he was always like trying to. He wanted to go fishing. He always wore this fishing hat, and he was, like, kind of yeah. dumb, and Radar did everything for him. When they brought Potter in, and uh, and Colonel Potter was, like, the best surgeon. Like, he was funny, but he was serious and fair, and he was, like, a dad figure to him. And So anytime they wrote somebody off, they would bring somebody in who was, like, a polar opposite. And then, God, that show lasted, like, twice as long as the Korean War, too. Like, that was a really yeah, long right. show. Um, but then, like, near the end, Alan Alda started doing the directing, and it got real super heady and weird, and... There, I remember watching one of the one of the final episodes in one of the final seasons was like he was he was, remember he was visiting uh, was it Sydney Sydney was a shrink in in Seoul or something and like something happened to to Alan Alda's character where he went crazy he had a mental break and they did a whole season of like what was his his problem and and it was away from the mash unit it was just in like this hospital in Seoul or whatever. And it turns out that he was like he was on a bus full of full of um, of citizens and of, of like South Koreans mm-hmm. and the North Korean army was like trying to come around them. And this lady had a chicken and it was started like making noise. And so she was crying because she didn't want to kill the chicken. And everyone was like, you got to keep that chicken quiet. And so she snapped its neck to save everybody. Oh. And then it turns out the last the, the last session Alan Alder says it wasn't a chicken; it was a baby. Shit. And she killed her I don't child to protect it. 
Yeah, so like that's that's the Alan Alda universe of those last couple of seasons. Then he like then he was cured because he faced his fear, got over it, whatever. Went back to the mash unit, was doing his normal you know mash thing or whatever. And then he finally gets the papers to go home, and so he's saying his goodbyes to everybody, but he can't say his goodbye to is it was it B.J. Honeycutt? Was that his his friend? Or was that yeah? Because it was yeah. Trapper John originally, and then B.J. Honeycutt was his friend for the for the rest of it. It was like the first three seasons or whatever was was Trapper John, and then he he left, and that's when Honeycutt came on. So he couldn't say goodbye to his best friend for whatever reason. Like he's like I can't I can't face him. Uh, or no, sorry, Honeycutt couldn't face him. Couldn't face Alan Alda's character for leaving, and uh, and so the last scene is Alan Alda getting on the the chopper to lift off. And he looks down as the chopper lifts off, and Honeycutt had spelled out goodbye in white rocks on the landing, and that was that was how the season or the series ended. Damn, was like I'm, gonna, the I'm last gonna have shot. to revisit that because I don't remember any of that. I I downloaded years ago all like 14 seasons of Mash, eleven, all of the, or is it eleven? Yeah, all all eleven seasons of Mash, the movie, the Walter pilot spinoff that never got picked up. That's really bad. Um, after Mash, the two seasons with Potter and um, uh, uh, who's the guy from Toledo? Um, Jamie Farr's character. I don't remember. Clinger. Yeah, yeah. It was him and Klinger. Like they they worked in a hospital. Walter was um, radar was going to be a police officer in his hometown after the war, and then I I also downloaded um, Trapper John M D. Because that was a, supposed to be a spinoff, but it's a different casting. Right. Um, and I watched all of those, and then I watched all of the, the 10, 15, 20, and 25-year uh, reunion specials with everybody. Um, and, and that's why I was working from home from the shop uh, for those three years. That's what I did is I watched MASH, Cheers, and Frasier over again. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it it was a really good ending. I I remember being really satisfied with it, especially after how weird it got in those later seasons. And then to end that way, I was like, oh, it's it's really nice and sweet. Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the most popular endings of any show of all time. Yeah, decisively, everybody agrees that it is a great ending to that show. And I mean, and it's not. I don't want to say that 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 show was weird. I mean, it was weird how long the show lasted. I mean, Korean War was like seven days and. Right, eleven years and, for Mash. Mash was eleven seasons long. Like I put it, put it to this way: my mom watched Mash in high school, and I watched Mash in elementary school. Wow, that's how long that show was on for. That's crazy. A little bit, yeah. So, um, yeah. At, at any rate, it was, um, it was, it was really good, and and it it was. I don't think it was a anyone was really super angry at it, and. The, the, even the weird seasons were really good seasons. They were just a different direction from the slapsticky kind of kind of thing. Well, I will talk about one that a lot of people were angry about, but I wasn't. Uh, that's the Sopranos, and I Ugh. think it's I, I think it's been off the air long enough that I don't have to give any kind of spoiler alert, basically. But um, Sopranos finale, so you know the the they play "Don't Stop Believing" in the background, and. Um, it was, uh, I think, uh, Meadow comes and, like, parallel parks outside the restaurant, and she's about to meet her family, and, and it just kind of fades to black, you know? So um, 
I liked it. I, I liked the fact that it didn't tie everything up. It left a little bit open to interpretation. You see some guys come in. You know, does Tony get whacked? Does, uh, you know, does he shoot them? Do they get away scot-free? It was, it, it was left unresolved, but if you put the pieces together, you can pretty much figure it out. Um, but I well, mean, what, think what about is it from a different I, perspective. What would have happened if they if they did resolve it, showed Tony getting whacked, and then they cut to black? People would have been pissed off about that too. So yeah, I don't think there was a way to end to the Sopranos. It's a little bit, you know. Yeah, I don't think there would have been a way to end the Sopranos. Now, I never watched it. I'm not a big mob guy, like movies and stuff. Like it's not it's not my 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 bag. Um, but I I had a lot of friends. You you know Coca, Coca and Smaz, yeah. those guys. They loved it, and uh, I remember when it came out, everyone was super pissed about it. And I remember watching the the final scene on like YouTube or whatever, and being like, oh, "I don't get it. Like, what's the big deal?" But again, I didn't also invest like years of my life watching watching that show either. Yeah, I think you should, and I and, and it's not like you know how you said, "Well, I'm not a mob guy." I think the mob aspect of it is like if you're looking at the totality of the show and what it's about and what the draw is and everything. Hold on one second. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, it's more about the family, you know, about about Tony and his family and the the mob family and trying to balance all of that together. It's um, and then you know <laughs> the whole. Uh, the whole plot about him going to see the shrink, you know, and, and, and then when his brothers find out about that, that it's just, it, it's just a great show and it's not your typical, I mean, there's definitely a lot of mob stuff in there, quote unquote, you know, but that's definitely not what it's all about. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's one of those shows it. where like, I'll probably end up watching it again, but it's one of those, it's like it, to me, it's like Dr. Who, where it's like, I don't have a desire to watch it, so unless there's a reason, like I'm super bored or there's you know it's yeah. the end of the world and that's the only DVDs that survive, like I'll watch it at some point probably. But and I should say I've I've started it a few times, but it's always been like I started the first episode, but I had to be somewhere in like a half an hour, and so I'm like I, I'm not really paying attention. I'm getting ready; it's on the background, yeah. I and see I'm like I'm saying. missing the setup for it, and I'm like I, I got to sit down and watch this, but. I just never got around to, to doing it because there's that was the like I've never seen The Wire and I heard that The Wire yeah, is a either. perfect television show and I'm like I wish I would have watched it the same thing with Rome everyone raved about Rome like HBO had a string of shows that were just like hit after hit after hit Six Feet Under Oz Rome Sopranos like all of those shows were just boom 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 yeah. Game of Thrones another one I've never gotten all the way through which. You know, I, I know I, I need to, but speaking of you know, endings, I, that was a pretty terrible ending. <laughs> like, I, I just yeah, but I, I had a question for that. Yeah, because as someone who hasn't watched it, like, was it was it bad just because the last book hadn't come out? But even though, even though the the guy who was writing the books was giving them direction on where the story was going, right? Is it because the writers had to fill in the rest of the mythos, and like? Did you read the books, and is the last book better than the show, or did you not read the books? I, I haven't read... Uh, so, okay, so I'll back up. I started to read the first book, never finished it, um, but I don't think that that had anything to do with the finale. Um, okay. 
so I, I, I'm still holding out hope that you'll watch this, so I'm going to try not to spoil it too much. But I, I think that they took they took some characters in directions that didn't feel natural in the last couple of shows. And you'll know what I'm talking about when you watch it. But 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 basically, it's like it's like I didn't see that coming at all. You know, and and if they would have built up a little bit more as the like in those last couple of seasons, if they would have built up to this kind of change in in characteristic of these certain people, you'd be like, okay, yeah, I, I kind of saw that coming. But a lot of it was just like out of the blue, and you're like, wow, that was a that was a 180 degree turn that I didn't see coming. Is, so, so let me ask you this because I know that the the whole thing was about like Jon Snow and everything, but yeah. Is it that the the king is actually Sean Bean at the very end, like that he remains the king? No. Oh. But, I mean, he lives through the whole thing, right? Like Sean Bean, because that's, I really like him as an actor in those type of roles. So, like, if he lives through the whole thing, I'll probably watch it. <laughs> You're being a dick. <laughs> does he Does he not live through the whole, when, when does he die? Oh, stop it. You've watched the whole first season. No, I haven't. I've only watched the first four episodes, and again, oh, I hate them. So, does um, does, does seriously though? It does it doesn't he die in the pilot or something? He he dies in I think the last show of the first season. But that's one of those things too that it's like a uh, a, a meme that went around a lot was, oh yeah, I love this character, and um, the showrunners of Game of Thrones are going to kill him off. Yeah. Yeah, it was it it was a great show though until like the last couple of episodes, and then it just dive bombed. Now, is it the worst finale I've ever seen of any show? Definitely not, not by a long shot. But they could have done how I met your so mother. much better. It wasn't so as bad as How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> well, that's I, I wanted to ask you about that because I did not finish How I Met Your Mother. So, um, oh, you're a lucky boy. Yeah. So here's the deal. I'm going to let you talk about that while I go pee. <laughs> okay. I'll be right back. So, I, but so I are you going to keep so your ahead. are you going to keep your earbuds in? Okay, great. I get to listen to you. Yeah. Um, fantastic. So, okay. So, How I Met Your Mother, I really like that show a lot, and I think you did as well. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I know, I know. I just think it's funny because like there's dead air when you talk now and. They have no idea. Oh my god, that's horrible! Seriously, a, a whole, a whole, a whole group of swans, and you killed them all with your bare hands. That's just insane. Why would you? Well, I mean, if you feel that Donatello was the best of all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and that the other three should have, should have taken more of a stride to be more brainies than like he was, that's fine. I mean. I mean, I don't personally agree with that, but that's okay. So you, you really think that you really think that that Koi and Vance are better than Bo and Luke? Like that's 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 really that's insane. So so you're telling me that you thought that the that Jar Jar Binks being a Sith Lord is your favorite part about the extended potential Star Wars universe? That's wow, some strong feelings that you have there. You think that that Ewan McGregor made a terrible Obi Wan? Oh. 
and that they should have just pieced together footage of Alec Guinness and other <laughs> movies to make those prequels. All right, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. Wow. Oh, oh. So, anyways, How I Met Your Mother. Um, I, I, I have some feelings on the, on the show. So we both watched it. We both really liked it. As it progressed, it got a little bit more campy. And so, um, so for the record, I watched it until late in the run. I did not watch like the last two seasons. I think you didn't miss much. That's what I keep hearing. So it, because it got very Barney centric, like all of a sudden Ted was no longer the main character. It was all about Barney and Robin for a couple seasons. Yeah. And Marshall was like, or, you know, whatever the, uh, his name is. What's the actor's name? Jason I, I really like him. Yeah, Jason Siegel. Can't remember. He, uh, you know, he um, he wanted out. He's like, I can't, you know, what, what else is there to do with this character? Like, you know, Lily comes out and goes, hey, someone ate all the chocolate cake. And then you cut to Marshall with, like, chocolate cake on his chin. Like, that's not character development anymore. It's just he's, he's the buffoon. So, like, it, right. it started getting it more Barney-centric and... I just I didn't I didn't care for it. But the the problems that I had with the show, the way that it ended though, is that like it was all the 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 whole last season took place over a three day weekend of Robin and Barney's wedding, and then they would do flash forwards of Ted and his wife and her getting sick and eventually dying and and everything, and it just it just felt shoehorned at that point. Like it's something yeah. that they, they should have introduced. Well, and so you, the last season also you have, um, uh, the, the, the baker, the girl who, who was the baker buttercup or whatever. I don't remember what her real name was. She ends up leaving her husband because she cheated on Ted or was going to cheat on Chet Ted with Klaus from Germany. Yavo. I don't know if you remember that. Like when she went to the, to the cupcake Institute or whatever. Not she ended really. up dating that Klaus guy. Which they were they got engaged and they were going to get married. And Ted ran into her on her wedding day, like at, at the bar, and so they were they were going to leave together. So she she left Klaus and like left a message, and Ted and her were living together. And so you're like, oh my god, she is the mother. Like, what a great story. Victoria, that was her name. Like everyone loved Victoria, and you were like rooting for her. And then all of a sudden, you're like, nope, it's not her. Her yeah. and Ted break up uh, yet again. And then he dates a crazy girl and blah, blah, blah. Like, they go through this whole thing. Um, and what they really needed to do was introduce a girl that Ted started dating and just not reveal to the kids that that was their mother until the end of the episode or the end of the season and give us some character development. Don't try to shoehorn in all of these missed scenes of, like, oh, yeah, remember when I was teaching class four, four seasons ago? This is what your mother saw. And it's a three-second little, like, Oh, he's in the wrong class. That's really funny. Blah blah blah. Like it's all those little things where that like you know the the narration of Bob Saget was like, and you know what, kids, your mother was there. You know they they tie in the St. Patrick's Day episode with the yellow umbrella and they shoehorn that bullshit in, and it just it was it was hurried. They needed more time to develop it because the, the thing is is that is Christina whatever her name was Applegate. She, Sorry. No, <laughs> starts with an M. She is a really good actress, and she fit the role really well. And I think that they really could have done some justice to it by by letting her develop as a character and letting the two of them grow together over a couple excuse me a couple seasons. Yeah, to be like, oh my god, you were there, oh my god, you were there, and not try to shoehorn it all in. Right. But the thing that really bothered me is that the entire time I never understood this. Bob Saget's the narrator yes. for Ted. 
But Ted is a fully grown 30-year-old man. His voice would not change unless he thinks he sounds like Bob Saget in his head. You know how, like, you you, know, you listen to our podcast and you're like, I don't really sound like that, do I? That, that is like, the maybe that's what his... thing I could think of is that he's, and I thought, I mean, he's telling that, like, the, the, the show itself is comprised of his memories and our memories and the way that we, like you said, the way that we hear our own voice is different than the way it actually is. So if you're listening to a recording of your voice, it's not how you hear it in your own head. Well, right, right. And, and and I think maybe he, like in his head, he was trying to be that, that eighties, nineties dad. And I mean, Bob Saget obviously was that for, for our generation. Like he was the, the dad that we grew up with on full house. So of course I could see that playing that way. But the problem is, is that they shot scenes with Ted. So, so they shot all the scenes with the kids up and through the second season, right? All the little quips back and forth. And then they use those and reuse them through the whole season. They didn't keep shooting those kids. So they had shot the finale with the kids in the second season. And then they shoehorned in Ted's reactions as old man, Ted, in Ted voice and not in Bob Saget inner monologue voice anymore. Yeah. And it just felt weird. It just felt really fucking weird. I didn't like it. And then the mom dies, like spoiler alert, the mom dies of some weird thing. And then he winds up with Robin, like Robin's back in New York and he steals the blue French horn again. And he's in a suit and he's old Ted and he like rings her doorbell and she opens it up and she's got this weird Bob and haircut from the future and he like holds it up and it's it's just and part of that is cool because like you know that that, no it wasn't you know that he chased her the entire show and that there was always that love there and it's like it's it's the ross and rachel thing right where you know it's always been you rach and and with with ted and robin it was kind of always the same thing like there was always that thing there so to have that like that aspect of the story is okay if you execute it correctly. And from, from what you're telling me, it was executed very, very poorly. Well, well, if you look back on the entire show, it's not the story of how I met your mother. It's the story of look at all of the girls that, that, that Uncle Barney and, and your father fucked before <laughs> yeah. I met your mom in the last 10 minutes of this story. And then, so oh, by dies. the way... I started the whole... Yeah, she goes and dies. And by the way, I started this whole story with me meeting Aunt Robin first, and then the kids are like, go, go to Aunt Robin, Dad. It's okay. It makes sense that you'd want to fuck her again because <laughs> yeah. Mom's dead. Like, that's that's the story. That's oh, that's what man. the story is. Also, I that my theory is that the story gets more and more outlandish as, like, the... The seasons become more campy and outlandish and overacted because as Ted is telling the story, he's getting more and more comfortable and a little bit looser with his kids. Mm-hmm. And so he starts telling stories. He starts elaborating a little bit on like mannerisms of, you know, like there's there's no way that Robin would be screaming at Patrice in a professional situation because she wants to be a real anchor and she's on worldwide news and she's, you know, like she's actually being uh, her dream. But then as soon as the camera's cut, she's like, I know, Patrice. Ah! Like, there's no way Robin acts like that. There's yeah, no way. I'll, but I'll he's to over. I'll and watch it again. I remember really loving that show. Ugh. And I, I. Well, it's not on anything. It's not on. You have to buy it. There's no streaming service that has it. Hulu. Hulu's got. Se- uh, what did they say? 
Hulu has nine. Is it on Hulu? Hang on. I'm looking it up as we speak. I did not know it was Hulu on Hulu. Has that makes nine me happy. Seasons. DirecTV has seven seasons. So I'm not sure where the two are. It's probably the last. It's probably the two that I need to watch that aren't on DirecTV. Shockingly. Yeah. Well, you just watch them on Hulu. I'll have you to don't have Hulu because I haven't. I, I don't have it anymore. You should honestly. You should just get it because, like, so Hulu was like twelve ninety nine, but if you get Disney Plus and Hulu and ESPN together, the whole thing for all three is twelve ninety nine. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, so like that's I got it for Letterkenny. I don't watch anything else on Hulu. I watch Letterkenny. Like I want to go watch the the Handmaid's Tale or whatever, but yeah, I'm like I just got it for Letterkenny. That's all. That's the only reason. Well, speaking of uh, of Letterkenny, I got Letterkenny? my son saying Ferda. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, Sydney went over to a friend's house, and he it, Xander kept saying he's like he says. Uh, He's like, Saturday, it's boys' day. I'm like, yeah, man, Saturday is for the boys. And I'm like, Ferda. So he just copied me and started saying Ferda. Ferda. Yeah, now he's going to go to, he's, they're going to reopen school next next year, and he's going to walk in and be like, Ferda, give your balls a tug, you tit fucker. I'm like, that's what you get when you make them all homeschool. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, here's one that we watched together, so we're both going to have a lot to say about this one, I think. FX is it the shield? The shield, yes. Ah, nice. So, uh, yeah. Michael Chiklis as Vic Mackey, the consummate anti-hero in uh, in the history of uh, of cinema. I think he is the best anti-hero of any show ever. He's the guy who you root for throughout the Are you saying the Antifa series. hero? No, no. He oh, probably okay. would have bashed some Antifa skulls, but. Um, but yeah, what did you think about the the finale of the Shield? So on first and second and third viewing, I hated it. I remember that. But now that I have been removed from it for a decade, uh, I look back on it now and I'm like, it does make sense that Vic would fuck everybody over and be stuck in that desk job and then hear the sirens, you know, whizzing by and want to go but just sit down at his computer. And start filling out his reports in his suit with, like, his gun in a drawer. Locked in a drawer. Like, just yes. com- just completely emasculated and being like, two of my friends are dead. The other one is in federal fuck-me-in-the-ass prison. Everybody <laughs> hates me. Everybody knows I was a rat. Everybody knows I took a deal. And now I'm working for, for internal investigations at a desk. The guy who started out at a, at a desk. Remember when they, they did the Shane and him? Uh, the flashback. Before the, yeah. Be, yeah, before the barn opened, and they were, they were detectives in suits tied to a desk almost, and they were like, we want to get on the streets and do some good. And now he's like, I can't do anything. Yeah. And I can't I, remember if he was on house arrest or not. Like, too, like, if that was something where they're like, you can go home and you can go to work and that's it. Like, if that was part of his sentence or whatever. It wouldn't even have mattered. Like he was tied to a desk, and it was it was his version of hell. And and yeah. I remember when that first aired, and you were so pissed off. And I'm like, dude, how else could it have ended? The only other way that it could have ended realistically was with him in a pine box. That's it. I so honestly, I, I would have at that time. I would have rather him either swallowed a bullet or been killed by 
somebody. Actually, I think it would have been a better ending if he would have been killed. This was at the time. I think it would have been a better ending if he would have been killed by some low-life nothing thug on his way home. Just like a victim of a, a senseless crime. By, like, like, like accidentally. No, not even that. Just like a mugging by like uh, some teenage kid that he, that you know, like bring back one of the one of the first you know guys that that he was trying to turn to a CI that like was still alive, like his little yeah. brother or something, you know, like just something that that he fucked somebody over and inadvertently got killed because of it, or you know, like who was the who was the cop from Internal Investigations that he killed in the first one? Like maybe his kid hunts him down or something. Yeah, like just just something where Vic got his comeuppance and doesn't get to keep breathing. Because yeah. he's breathing free air, and that's what bothers me is, like, of all of those guys, like, Lem, Lem was the heart, Shane was the asshole, Vic was the leader, and then the tech guy, what was his name? Ronnie Gardaki. Ronnie. Ronnie's the one who was the better out of all of them, like, the yeah, best the person conscience. out of those four, and he got fucked hard. Big time. I mean, first getting burned with the Armenian story... You know, that storyline when they were stealing the money train money and he got the fucking on the grill, you know, like that was yep. fucked up. And then getting being the only one who didn't get immunity and or killed. But like even even to this day, like Walter Goggins, Walton Goggins is first. My, I don't know what your first uh, 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 foray into his career was, but mine was Major League Three back to the minors where he played downtown. He was like the star player who who was awesome in, in AAA ball, but, like, couldn't couldn't cut it in the majors and got sent back down. And then Scott Bakula quantum leaped him into learning how to hit the curveball or something. <laughs> and then Tanaka and Sereno were there for some reason, and it, it was the Twins instead of the Indians. I don't know. But that was my first foray. Joe and then Skip. Willie Mays Hayes I don't know if there. Joe Boo was in that one or not. I know that, that I Sereno was, but I don't know. Um, it, it's funny. It's not. It's not great, but it's it's funny. It was one of those HBO uh, um, uh, summer movies that you know you're stuck inside babysitting your sister, and it's on. And so to shut her up, you watch that movie. Sorry, <laughs> Steph, if you listen to this, but that's that's what that was at that time. But I look back on it now fondly. Um, and then it, so it was that, and then skip to the Shield, and I'm like, oh, dude, I know that guy. Yeah. And then watching him be just a piece of shit, and then kill Lem and his whole family. And then every time I see him now, I'm like, you fucking killed Lem. Steph screams it. Anytime I say Walton Goggins, she's like, you fucking killed Lem. <laughs> but he plays, he's in, he's in a, a sitcom kind of, like a rom-com sitcom called The Unicorn Now, where he's a, a, a single father of two teenage girls raising them after his wife died. And his wife's sister and, hu- and, and her husband and his best friends and uh, and their wives are trying to help him get back into the dating world while he's trying to t- be nice and take care of his two, you know, one's a middle school and one's a, a high school daughter or something like that. And he's he's trying to do what he can and still coach soccer and still work and still, you know, still have time for the girls. And, like, he plays this real sweet guy. And every time I watch it, I'm like, fuck him. He killed, killed them. Like, yeah. I just can't get over that. Well, the funny thing is, I, I just finished watching Dexter, and, and uh, he plays what a uh, deputy marshal or something like that. Uh, Lem, uh, I, I forget Kenny. Yeah, whatever, whatever his name is. He played that what deputy marshal, and he ended up getting killed in that too. And I'm like, this guy can't catch a break. 
I'm surprised he hasn't been in more stuff. I really am. He's pretty great. Yeah. Good character actor. So how about, let's move, so I, I think we can both agree that, um, first off, upon first viewing, I liked the ending mm-hmm. of The Shield. Reason being, it was basically, the whole show was a Greek tragedy. There was there was nobody in the show that was really likable. I think Lem, Lem and Gardaki got the closest in terms of who was likable, but... Well, they had redemption arcs. Right, right. But Vic was not likable. Uh, uh, Shane was not likable. There was a ton of people that you just were like, these are all shit people. So as Um, you're watching the show, it's kind of like, you know, uh, you're watching these things happen, but you're not really rooting for anybody except a couple of tertiary characters. So then you get to the Well, end. I was going to say, there, there was CCH Pounder and her partner that the, the, the real good um, uh, detective, but he, the, the white guy. Remember, he, they, they videotaped him singing Hungry Like the Wolf? Like, the fuck was his name? Oh, yeah. But even he had that moment where, like, remember, remember the, the, the story arc where, like, the, the, that pimp was turning out suburban moms? And he's and and like he's in holding, and so so that guy, whatever his name is, he always wore the suit. That detective was like like trying to in, like interrogate him, like how do you do that? And he goes, "You you give a woman something she can't get anywhere else, and then you take it away from her, and make her want to give it back to you. That's how you turn a woman like that out." Yeah. And of course, it's manipulation over time. But he winds up doing that to that like that really cute Hispanic rookie cop. Like, he's like, I'll teach you, I, like, I'll help you get become a detective. And he's, like, helping her study. And then he, like, pulls it away and treats her like yeah. shit. But then she immediately figures out what he's doing. Dutch. And she's like, well, fuck you. And he's like, I'm sorry. Dutch but, like, mock. even he has a weird, like, non-redemptive moment. Right. But CCH Pounder, she was fantastic in that. And she's the only one, I think, that, that got away clear conscience Come with everything dead. that she did. I don't think she ever bent the rules at all. Yeah, she was great. Claudette Wims. Yeah. And her partner Holland Dutch, Dutch. Wagenbach. Yep. Dutch Wagenbach, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were good. God, those I would watch a spin-off of just those two. Oh yeah. Michael Jace, remember him? He was good. Yeah. He that was uh Julian, right? Uh yes. Yeah, Julian he's the Lowe. one who's in prison now for murdering his wife. He what? He murdered his wife. He's in prison now, the actor. Is he really? Yeah, that's been a long time ago. And another weird... Okay, so another weird thing. When when I watched The Shield, I was like, I know that actor. He played in The Replacements with Keanu Reeves. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. He's an American actor and convicted murderer. Whoa! Yeah, he, like, beat the shit out of his girlfriend. Like, he went crazy and beat the shit <gasps> out of his girlfriend. And then tried to lie about it, I think, if I remember correctly. Dude. It's been like a decade since that happened. Second degree murder. No way. You're, you're getting life. a little education about about people being dead and being not yeah, great man. humans. I got my education in this show. Jeez, oh man. Because like I honestly when the when the murder when the murder rap came down, I was like, there's no way he did that. Because he like that character and the way that he played it, he just was like such a sweet, endearing guy. And I was like He's probably like that a lot in real life. Like he's, he's probably a really nice dude, 
you know, who's, you know, I'm, you know, I'm sure all actors are, you know, that's their, their, their personality bleeds into a role at some point or other. But I really believe that like Michael Chase was like a good dude. And then they're like, yeah, he just killed his, his girlfriend or whatever, like bludgeoned her to death with his bare finger. No uh, shot her. Oh, he shot her? Yeah. Oh, who was the one that beat the shit out of somebody? Oh, Chris Brown. That's who that was. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Nine one one call in which he stated, I shot my wife. They found her dead from gunshot wounds. I don't Good even remember, grief. like, what she did. Like, because it was something, like, really trivial. Like, I, I don't think she, like, stepped out on him or anything. Or, or maybe he suspected she did, but, like, there was no clear evidence she ever... It was, like, an adulteress or anything. Like, it was something where it just didn't seem justified. Like, he snapped. Like, he went crazy. They were watching The Shield together, and she's like, I really like that Shane guy. She's like, you you make a really good homosexual. And he was like, what? (laughs) Click, click, click. Oh, man. Jeez, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm really getting, I'm getting schooled on some stuff today. Yeah, well, what else, what, what else can we talk about that, uh... (laughs) <laughs> to ruin your childhood. Yeah, no kidding. Um, well, okay, so here, here's an ending that I thought was stupid at the time, and now I think it's very interesting that they did it this way, but I also feel like it's very sad for the way a comedy ends, and that is the, the TV show Dinosaurs, which was oh, essentially yeah. like the Honeymooners and Roseanne in, in you know, it, with... with with yeah, in prehistoric times, and then the whole like last couple of episodes was just Freaking you know, hey, dark. there's a meteor coming, <laughs> yeah. and it's gonna kill everybody, and like it just, I don't know, man. It it was it, it was you're right. It got fucking dark, and like I thought it was really stupid. I'm like, oh, you end it with the extinction of the dinosaurs. Like we love these characters. How fucking stupid is that? And then I look back on it later, and I'm like, that's a that's a really ballsy, gutsy way to end a comedy, but really sad too. Yeah, yeah. But I felt the same way about Roseanne, the way that Roseanne ended originally. Like, you know, they, like Dan has a heart attack, and they end the season with Dan being written off the show. And then you come back, and they're like, Dan's dead. Or no, they're like, not, that's how it ended. But the, you, you come back, and they're like, Dan's fine. He had a mild heart attack. We won the lottery. Um, my mom's a lesbian now. We still live in the same house in Lanford, but it's like super ritzy and all the kids, you know, are, are doing great now and blah, blah, blah. And then you find out that Dan actually died and she was just writing, um, that last season as like a piece of creative writing because she always wanted to be a writer. And I'm just like, how dark of an ending was that? Yeah. I never, I never watched that show. I, I, I might've caught an episode here and there, but I never really, I never really got into it. Well, my mom and dad loved that show because my mom and dad are blue collar people, and they were, you know, and they they were essentially they were my parents, you know, trying to make ends meet with kids and trying to provide and not knowing, you know, if you're going to go on strike or get a check the next week or you know. You know the funny so thing my mom is, and dad is that's really exactly why my parents didn't watch it. I remember my mom saying. This is life. Why do I want to watch my life on TV? <laughs> like, she's like, I get enough of it from, uh, you know, every other minute of the day. Like, why do I want to watch it on TV? Yeah. I thought it was weird because they brought Roseanne back recently. And I was like, how are they going to address John Goodman being alive? And they, they flippantly were like, 
Oh yeah, the the ending of Roseanne, the very poignant, sad ending of Roseanne, was also part of her writing, and that Dan was, you know, he's like, ah, oh, you killed the main character off, and then throws the book aside, like that was the that was the whole thing of when right. they brought it back. But and I have to say honestly, like as as a fan of Roseanne growing up and having good memories of it, I was nervous when they brought it back, and uh, it wasn't. It was very. Very politically charged. Like, it was very much, you know, Jackie was a staunch liberal and Roseanne was a staunch, you know, Trump supporter. And that's that was the, you know, the and, and Darlene was a, a, a staunch liberal. And, you know, that was the, the show direction. Uh, that's It was going to be a political satire comedy. And then when Roseanne got super racist, I think it was, on Twitter and they, they canceled the show... And she, she was like, okay, you can have the rights to the characters and, and let them keep going. The, 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 the show became The Connors. It went back to being Roseanne again. Like, it went back to the same, like, it's not all about, you know, Trump versus whoever. It's not, it's not about that. It's just about the family and trying to survive. And, you know, Becky ends up having a, a kid with an illegal immigrant. And, you know, he gets deported. And now she's got to raise this kid. And... Now, you know, she's trying to reconnect with him and, and she's talking about maybe doing like a green card marriage and and stuff. And, and then he like crosses the border illegally again. And they're like, but if you get found out, you're never going to get back in. You have to go back and come over legally so that you can be a part of her life. And they they reopen the Lanford lunchbox uh, with Becky and, and Jackie now. And they're they're realizing, you know, Roseanne's dream and. You know, they kill Roseanne off. They give her a uh, back uh, injury where she gets addicted to pain meds and she ODs. Like, that's how they wrote her off. Yeah. You know, and Darlene's got a great story arc where, like, her and David finally called it quits. And, you know, and now she's dating this other guy and she's not sure if she can be in a relationship because she's got, you know, her kids and she's, you know, trying to take care of her dad and help her dad out with paying the bills because... You know, Dan's business is, you know, flailing or fledgling and like it's 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 good, but it's back to being that like real life comedy, that dark real life comedy. And I actually like it. I can look past all the the little political jabs that they and social jabs that they give to one side or the other and just go like, yeah, that's fine. Like it's it's annoying, but like the story is still compelling enough to watch it like it doesn't bother me as sometimes i watch something that's like politically leaning one way or the other and i'm like it's a little much like let's back off this is supposed to be entertainment it's not supposed to be a provoking fight yeah and then there, there are some shows who who toe the line and do, do it well enough to where you're like all right i get it i'll take that one on the chin because you're you're, you're pointing out people like me and i can laugh at myself i'm big enough to be able to do that and say yeah that's a stupid thing we do or you know, say or whatever, but yeah, it's it's not it's not to the point where I'm like, nope, can't watch it. I don't remember, I remember telling you about it, but I don't remember what show it was where like I told you I'm done with the show. I stopped watching it because it just it leaned way too heavily politically, and I was like, nope, I, I'm not going to watch this anymore. And I don't remember what it was, but it was like a good show, and I was like, nope, I'm done now. And it takes a lot to make me like stop watching. Well. It, it doesn't take a lot. It just, if you get a weak storyline like Doctor Who and I just stop watching out of like, <laughs> right. eh, whatever. But like there was some show where I'm like, nope, I'm done with this one. And it was like a really good show that I really liked. So I think it was Quantum Leap. Oh, 
man, you want to talk about no, it? No, not really. You want to talk about an ending there? That was a. Uh, that was one of my earliest memories of a show ending where I had an opinion about it. Well, let's actually talk about that because if you remember, I never finished Quantum Leap until until I was I, I actually rewatched it while I was working from home during those three years. I had never seen the ending, and you had described it to me a bunch of times, and I'm like, that's terrible. And you're like, yeah, dude, you have to watch it. It's fucking terrible. <laughs> and uh, I watched it, and I, and I called you and was like, that's fucking terrible. And you're <laughs> yeah. like, I know, it's fucking terrible. Right. But let, let's, let's talk about that for those people who don't know what Quantum Leap is. Like, set up the premise of the show and give us a little rundown. I'll be, I'll be quiet for a while now. All right, so Quantum Leap. So Scott Bakula plays this, this scientist who... Uh, who figures out how to time travel. But the, the, the problem with it, I, I don't even want to say the problem with it, but the, uh, the conditions of time travel is that he can, um, he, he can leap into a body of a person who existed during his lifetime. So those are the kind of the constraints of it. And so what he determines to do with that gift or curse or whatever you want to call it, is that he, he he's put in a position to, and I believe the opening sequence of the show says, put right what once went wrong. Yeah. So he jumps into these characters throughout history and finds himself in a unique position to, you know, possibly change the course of history for... Uh, and even if it's just for those people or for that community, uh, sometimes it's a broad-reaching change that he can make, and sometimes it's just very localized. But um, each show, he jumps into somebody new, and so while you're watching the show, you see Bakula, but when he looks in a mirror, he sees whoever he jumped into. And um, he's got—what uh, was his buddy's name? Al. Al, yeah, yeah, yeah. Al was— And Al's buddy was Ziggy. Uh, and then there was Gushy. Remember, <laughs> Remember Gushy? Or Gushy, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. But then there was Ziggy as well. Well, let me, let me ask you this, because I, I, I look back on, like, having rewatched it from start to finish, for when that show aired, which I think was in the late 80s, early 90s, if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong correct me. No, that's, that's it, yeah, late 80s, early it 90s. It dealt with a lot of social issues for that time period in a very respectful way because like so bacula would jump into other people but they were there were females yep. that he would jump into and they, they would have to deal with you know sexism and uh, and, and try to course correct that mm-hmm. he would jump into minorities um you know and and have to to you know feel what it's like to walk a mile in in the shoes of a black man in the 60s or whatever during the civil rights movement right. or or and when he um, left into a guy he with would, Down syndrome one time, I remember that. That was that, that was, was really a really powerful. good show. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that was a really good a really good show. Because I remember, wasn't it? He was it was he he was the the the, the kid with Down syndrome, and he, his brother was a was a normie. He was a normal kid, yeah. and and he started telling him the story of Star Wars, and it was like yeah. in the fifties or sixties or something, and uh, yeah, like that was really good. But Do you remember let me ask you this, and I promise. I do remember when he left into Elvis. I don't remember the story, but I remember that. I remember that now. Yeah. 
What, what was I, I promise? I know I said I wasn't going to talk a lot, but I, I have questions for you on because I, I really liked that show, and I think you really liked it too. Oh, I loved it. Um, I, I would love to go back and do a rewatch of it completely because there were so many good ones in there. Like he he leapt into uh, who was it? Like Marilyn Monroe's driver or something like that, yeah. and um, he he leapt into um, uh, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, didn't he? Well, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that episode because that, even as a young kid, I, I didn't like that episode. No, no, and the reason was because you know all all of these were were always like he was never a famous person. He never leapt into like a president or you know uh, a, a high powered CEO. It was it was always like. You can impact the world, like you said, on, like, on a global scale, but you're impacting it through the eyes of the normal, everyday man. If he did leap into somebody who was semi-famous, it was always a localized famous person. But when he leapt into Oswald, if you remember, the end of the story was, because Kennedy still gets shot in that timeline. Yeah, he was but not then able Al to, comes back to and change says, that. But Al comes back and says, but you don't remember because she, she died too. And they're, they're basically rewriting history saying that he killed Jackie and John in the real timeline. Ooh, and that I don't remember that. He saved. Yeah, that was the whole thing. Was that, was, that was how he was able to leap was he didn't kill Jackie Onassis because she was supposed to go on and do more. You know, she oh, had more yeah. to give than what John would have given for some reason. Um, that Yeah, that one bothered me because that was also the first time um, where the personalities because of, of Oswald being insane um, is how they, they portrayed him. Um, if you remember, they would cut back and forth between Oswald was in the, the chamber and Sam was in Dallas in 63. And Oswald's mind and craziness was melding with Sam's. So Sam was being yeah. Oswald and being Sam at the same time. And Oswald was being interviewed by Al and Gushy and, those, and the guys, you know, in the... In the the the, in the, the future the mountain, yep. I guess or whatever the, and and they're trying to figure out like how they could stop the Kennedy assassination, and it was Jackie and not John. I don't know. I just that one was that bothered me. Not, not that it was bad, just that it bothered me that like, because because growing up, I was a huge John Kennedy nut because you know the, the movie JFK had come out and Thirteen Days right. and and all that stuff, and so I was I was a big you know Kennedy conspiracy person and. You know, because I was young, I used to read a lot of books. My grandmother was a huge Kennedy fan. I had all these original newspaper clippings from like the News Herald and stuff, and the and Cleveland Plain Dealer about the Kennedy assassination. Um, and so that that just it just didn't sit right with me. I, it's not that it was bad, like I said, I just it bothered me. So I wanted to know what your thoughts were on that episode, if you remembered it as vividly as I did. I, I certainly don't remember it as vividly as you do, but <laughs> I, I I just remember that as one of the. One of the few where he leapt into a recognizable person. Uh, and, yeah. and that was definitely more towards the end of the run of the show. Because, you know, most of the... the I, I, let's see, when was the first time he, he leapt into anybody recognizable? I, I think it was like season... Probably season four or something like that. Yeah. Remember when he leapt into himself as a kid before his brother went off to Vietnam and died and his dad was still there? Oh, holy crap. 
And like he was telling, remember he told his little sister all about it, and she was like, "Prove it!" And he sings, he oh, picks he, up the guitar because she's like a big Beatles fan, yeah. and she and he's like, "Well, the Beatles break up in a couple of years." <coughs> Excuse me, and he plays Imagine on guitar, and she cries, and he goes, "Why are you crying? It's a beautiful song." And she goes, "Because I don't know it." Yeah, like that's that that's an episode that stuck with me too. Man. Yeah, because I th- it's, that's a two parter. I think doesn't. He, yeah, it is. So he leaps into himself before his brother gets shipped off, and then he leaps into his brother in, in Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah, or maybe not his brother. Maybe maybe somebody in his brother's platoon or something. Yeah, that's what it is. And he's trying to save his brother, and he can't. He does he does something else where he like saves saves a Vietnamese woman or something, um, who's like a spy for the for the the South Vietnamese, and but his brother still winds up. Like it's not that his brother dies in the episode, but like he asks Al before he leaps, you know, is is Tommy okay still or whatever his brother's name was, and he goes, yeah. "No, his his platoon still gets raided or whatever." Like it, he doesn't change that, and that was a, that was a sad one. Too. How about this one? Season four, episode seven, the wrong stuff. Sam descends into a lower life form as he leaps into the body of a chimpanzee that was part of an interspecies communi- uh, communication experiment. Oh, I remember that yeah. one because he was a, on set in a diaper. Yeah. And having to act like a chimp the whole time. <laughs> that was a good one. Which is really weird because it, because it is always, you know, you leap into a person, and that's basically them saying, like, well, it's not creationism, it's evolution, because a chimpanzee is a, is a, a hair away from a human, so Sam was able to leap into it. Or is that a little too heady for that show? <laughs> Well, I, I don't even know if that would, would, would have been something that they considered, but um, they, they certainly, as the show went on, tried to leap him into more and more interesting characters. So, like, he, um, season four, episode four, he leaps into um, a, a KKK member in the middle of an initiation ceremony. Um, oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I see what you did there. Um <laughs> Uh, let's see. For those of you who don't know, that was Sam's catchphrase at every at the end of every episode when he would leap and he'd yep. be like, "Oh boy, oh boy." Uh, let's see. Baseball player lightning strikes Sam and Al, causing them to trade places and personalities. Do you remember that one? Yes, that was that really was good. Great. Sam leaps home um, to the QL control center in 1999. Man, I'm gonna have to go back and watch the show. That was such a great show. Do you remember in that episode, because they switched places, Sam has the the Ziggy, the, the handheld control, but it won't work because it's not connected to the to the, the chamber anymore. So he mails it. it it's, it's the Back to the Future thing where, like, yeah. he gives it to Western Reserve to hold, and then it, they send it back so that he can get it and use it in the future. Oh, that's awesome! So that's how they—that's how they open the door because they're—they're they're both technically stuck there. Yeah. So from what I am, I, and I know that you have a moratorium against looking stuff up during the show, but I'm—I'm I'm looking stuff up during the show. So that's fine. You can do it. It's my stupid rule that I have. From for me. what I'm seeing here, because it was a five-season show, and from what I'm seeing here, the first time he ever leapt into somebody recognizable was. Season five, episode one, Lee Harvey Oswald. It was two episodes. Um, wow. And then elderly man. 
Oh, and then he returns to the body of Jimmy LaMotta, the uh, guy with Down syndrome. That he that was, I think that was season one or two that he he was he leapt into Jimmy, and then season five, episode seven, he leaps back into Jimmy again. Um, hmm. We should do it. You and I should do a rewatch. Like, oh yeah, that's something that we should we should do like together. Like, okay, we're gonna do these five episodes of quantum leap this week. And that, and we stick to that so that we, we watch them. Sorry for you know, all the noise here, guys. This is my cats are going nuts. I think they, Oh, must that's have okay. My, my dog and cat have been going nuts the entire time. <laughs> it's, it's fine. I think there's six people who listen to this show and that's they'll, estimated. They'll yeah. They're, they're, they're fine with it at this point. Here we go. Season five, episode so. 10. Guess who was start, start in that one. Sam leaves. Was it 12 from Goggins? <laughs> yeah, he killed Lem in that episode. Ugh. So Sam leaves 12 years into the future into an attorney who must save Abigail, Melora Hardin, from a murder charge. Jan Levinson, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Jan Levinson. I was like, I know that name. Yeah. Who's Melora Hardin? Yeah. Guys, what the deuce? These guys are going nutty. Yeah, Chewy Chewy was running around going upstairs in the bedroom. It sounded like thunder. I'm like, eh, it's Mike's picking everything up, but eh, it is what it Here is. Here we go. Season five, episode fourteen, Sam leaps into Dr. Ruth. <laughs> I remember that Ta-da. one. Yeah, that was it was such a good show. And but it, the so the ending, getting back to the the topic at hand, the ending was that Sam leapt into a guy at a bar. And he was looking in the mirror, and wasn't he like every single person he, was he like memorable character? No, he leapt into oh, he was himself. himself. But it was in this mining town, and he ran into all of these people that he leapt into. Yeah, but that's they what weren't it was. the same people. Like he would see their face, and their name might be similar, but it wasn't actually them. And so his mission at that time was to save Al's life, I believe. And then didn't it like? He like they ended the show with him leaping because they weren't sure if it was going to be another season or not. And then they put a post tag on in script that just said, and Sam never, never returned home again. Yeah, it was a picture of Sam and Al that faded into a title card that said Dr. Sam Beckett never returned home. Which that's, is like a that's fr- really yeah, it's like a really freaking downer way to end the show. Well, I don't know if you remember or not, because they, they did this on Jimmy Kimmel recently, uh, or not Jimmy Kimmel, on uh, on Jimmy Fallon uh, a couple years ago, but there was an episode, it was the Taxi Cab episode, where it was like he leapt into a guy in New York in the 50s, and it was his dad worked for a taxi cab company, he was working for the same taxi company, and they were trying to make enough money to buy a shield so that they could have their own start their own cab company. And one of the fares he picks up is a young adolescent Donald Trump and his father in oh, New geez. York. And that was like a, a little celebrity knob of like, you know, oh, where can I take you? Oh, take me to blah, blah, blah. And and Sam goes, oh, that's where Trump Tower is. And he goes, that's my last name. And he goes, come on, Donald. And and this little kid gets out of the car. Oh, that's funny. And, um, and so, yeah, Jimmy Fallon, after the, the election, Fallon had Beckett on and they recreated that scene with him trying to like get him to run the car off the road and like 
kill baby Donald Trump Jesus. or something like that. I don't know. It was something. It was something satirical about that, or maybe maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was just like him pointing out a lot of things, like you know, hey, maybe you shouldn't grab women by the genitalia <laughs> and uh, and shake it, or you know, whatever whatever the, the the thing was that Trump did at the time. But yeah, they they played that up. But I just I I didn't mind it because I was like, I get to watch Sam Beckett leap into somebody one more time. Oh man, this yeah. is great. It's good stuff. So let me so. let let's wrap on one last one. Uh no, two. Is it Perfect Strangers? Let's do two. Um oh. first one is Chuck. Do you remember the ending of Chuck? I I watched that show cuz I really liked it because you never watched it when it was in real time. You watched it with uh with Allie later. I watched it with Al 2 years ago. Yeah, I I watched it. I've never rewatched it, but I remember really liking that show a lot. It was a great show. Were there some episodes, seasons, and story arcs where you're like, uh, okay, yes. Yeah, yeah, there were. still good. It didn't take you so far out of the show where you're like, I can't watch this crap anymore. It, y- well, and I even when the stories got weird and campy, it was a weird, campy show from the beginning anyway, so it, it still kind of fit. Yeah. When it got weird, you were just like, all right, this it's just is part of the weird show anyways. Yeah. So with this one... Um, it ends on the beach where um, Sarah Yvonne Strahovski loses her memories. And so they're like, it kind of, it's a role reversal thing where um, instead of her telling Chuck all of these things that he, you know, just kind of like showing him the ropes and everything, he ends up having to show her the ropes on everything and like rebuilding their, um, they got to fall in love all over again, basically, is what has to happen there. I don't know. I, yeah. I I thought it was a good ending. Not not one of the better ones I've ever seen, but definitely, like, it, when you're watching that show, it's like, how else would it have ended? And if you can't think of a better one, it's like, okay, that'll do. You know, and that's, that's kind of what this I show is. I think every show should end with Bob Newhart waking up. You think so? Every show. Doesn't matter. You think it, not the not the Saint Elsewhere, everything exists in a snow globe? No. Well, the, I mean, that's Newhart fine, thing? too. That's fine, too. But I just like the Newhart <laughs> thing. I think that they should just cast Bob Newhart in the finale in of every episode. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man. Except for the Big Bang Theory. Because he was he was actually a character in was that, so really? that wouldn't have worked. I didn't know like, that. Yeah. Like like dinosaurs, the the meteor impacts and it fades and it, and it bright white and then Newhart just wakes up. <gasps> I just had the weirdest dream. <laughs> not go back to sleep, mama. Bob. Um, what about Breaking Bad? I know that you're not a huge fan of Breaking Bad, but what about the uh, the ending to it? Do you recall what happened? Well, there? I mean, and again to to defend myself a little bit, I never really. I only watched the last season, and it was like the last half of the last season episodically. So to me, that show is just one giant get through it session over the course of like a month. And then I never really got to enjoy it. Like at least with Dr. Who, when I had to watch like five years worth of Dr. Who episodes, mm-hmm. I still have like six years of episodic enjoyment where I could go, Oh, that was a good episode as opposed to everything running together for me. So like, I never got to experience any of the cliffhangers. Cause I was always like, well, I'll just stay up for an hour and watch the next episode. Right. Like, then it won't be a cliffhanger again. So that that's the reason I don't like Breaking Bad is because I didn't get to enjoy it correctly. Um, and I'm not opposed to going back and re-watching it and, re-watch, and watching El Camino. Um, but I just remember being disappointed with the ending because I really wanted Walter White to live. 
Yeah. Like, I, I really wanted him to not... I wanted him to beat cancer and live. And I don't know why, because he's not a likable character. No. He did heinous things. He started out as a, like, as a fairly likable character who... And I think that was why he, he was likable. Not necessarily that he was inherently likable, but he was... You you got it. Like, you understood where he was coming from. And it's like, I, I may have not made the same decisions that he made, but I get it. You know what I mean? So there was that level of understanding yeah. where you could relate to him to a certain extent, to a degree. But, yeah, he was definitely not likable. And then when you get to the, the you know, the the end of the show. And, and it's, to me, the end of Breaking Bad is a lot like the end of The Shield, where... I'm looking at it like a Greek tragedy. There's not really any other way that it could have ended other than Walter White dying. But he got that little piece of redemption by going and saving Jesse and setting him free, destroying all the people that were holding him captive and letting him go on his own. And then you get El Camino in there, and that's a nice little coda to show... All right, Jesse was the guy who never caught a break the entire run of Breaking Bad. And so here's what happened after he got away. And then you see well, that there so is I, a bit I've of I've not seen it. Can you give me a little bit of what happened in El Camino? Just like a cliff note, just like a, a quick two-minute synopsis. All right, so... I'm not going to do it any justice whatsoever. So my recommendation would be go and watch the movie. But essentially what happens is he, uh, so Jesse goes back to, um, Badger and, um, Skinny Pete. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Oh man, I thought you were dead, dude. And so they help him and he's been through hell. Right. So he's got like borderline PTSD and the whole thing. And so they help him get on his feet and and start to make, um, you know, make moves. And so he said he says this guy, the uh, Jesse Plemons character, I forget what his name was. Um, Meth Damon. Remember him? So he. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Jesse gets a line on money that he uh, that Meth Damon st- stocked away. So the whole movie is basically Jesse trying to find the money that Meth Damon hid so he could make his getaway, go back to um, Robert Forster, God rest his soul, and in the vacuum store and get a new identity and go to Alaska. And he's going to work for a logging company? Yes, he's going to have a beard and he's going to live next to Dexter. Wouldn't that be a funny uh, episode? <laughs> so, It'd be really funny if, like, the after credit scene is Dexter. I, he's on Dexter's table. Yeah, right. So, so he gets his uh, his comeuppance in El Camino, and he's like, "Guy could never catch a break." He finally does. He escapes. He thinks he's going to live in harmony and in peace in Alaska, but he's uh, right next door to Dexter Morgan. And he's not even the first slide in Dexter's thing. He's like the 12th. Right. He's not even like the guy who gets Dexter back going again. He's just like another random asshole. Now, see, I I think that it would have been great to end Breaking Bad with Jesse driving away, stopping at a gas station, and having Frankie Muniz come out and have somebody (laughs) yell, Hey, Malcolm! Well, there was that fan theory that Malcolm in the Middle is actually Walter White. Um, he, he does live, beats cancer, and goes into witness protection. 
and then that's Malcolm in the Middle. Is yeah, the, right. Is the sequel to it, but it was just shot and done first. So that's I hilarious. thought that was funny. But uh, all right, well, I don't, uh, I don't really have any other shows that I can remember off the top of my head. Those that, were probably uh, the best ones, the most memorable ones. And I'm glad that we yeah. ended up talking at length about Quantum Leap. I didn't expect to do that, but that was a nice little surprise. Yeah. So I saw in one of the lists that Friends was on there for the 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 ending. Yeah. And I and I was trying to remember because I just watched Friends like maybe five years ago when it first came on Netflix, and I don't remember the last sh- the last show. Is does is it Rachel and Ross end up getting back together? Yeah. Yeah. She she was gonna go to France, I think, for a job. And she, I think she ends up staying home. And then Monica and Chandler, I think they, they, did they go to Oklahoma? Because I know that he was, he had a job in Tulsa. Yeah. Oh, no, he quit that and came back home and they got a house upstate, I think. Yeah, they were going to adopt those two kids or had adopted those two kids. And that's why they were getting rid of the apartment. And then Joey moved to L.A. to be an actor. They did a short-lived yeah. spinoff on that, and then um, Joey doesn't share food. <laughs> How you doing? And uh, Phoebe marries Paul Rudd, and they live happily ever after. And that's how Ant Man started. That's right. Because because she was a smelly cat, and he was Ant Man. <laughs> and he said, "Later's on the Menjay." <laughs> he slapped a bird. <laughs> Big time, man. So. Uh, good stuff. All right. Well, I, I to 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 wrap up, uh, I guess a little bit on here. Um, you can find us on social media at Film Burrito uh, on the Twitter and the Instagram. There's nothing there, so don't. I mean, but you know, if you want to, that's fine. Yeah. Um, you can call us four four zero seven zero one six five four seven. That's four four zero. I still figured out what that spells. Um, you can go to uh, our website, uh, filmburrito.com, or you can go to our Pinecast website and uh, donate money to us. That would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you shouldn't. You should still just give money to food banks and charities and stuff because life still sucks for everybody else. Uh, and you and I are doing okay. Yeah, we're doing um, right. But we, we would really appreciate um, feedback, a like, a uh, subscribe, a rating. Uh, you can do it right from the podcast app as well. It helps the show out. lets us know what we're doing well, what we're doing Wrong, you know, if you want something changed, drop us a line, email us, filmburrito at gmail.com. Um, you know, if you have any suggestions, if you have a show that you think the ending was better or worse, uh, or disagree with us at all, or you just want to talk about Quantum Leap, we could do a, th- a three way call sometime. There you go. Talk about Quantum Leap with you. Uh, oh boy. Dan, Dan or Devonay. Dan, Dan, Devonay. Dan, Dan, Devonay. And uh, part time Sarah. And uh, yeah. Thanks, thanks for thanks for listening. That's my. I figured I should do the the outro because I have all the stuff, the stuff written down there next in to the me. Northern Command. You yeah. you don't. I got the right stuff. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, Joey. Uh, okay. So yeah, until I think next I'm time. done. Are you done? My name is, this, is Jason. This is how we're ending the show. You done? I'm done. You're done. Okay. <laughs> I'm signing. You're signing. We're all signing. No, a man in a really nice camper wants to put our record on the radio. I will do the official sign-off now. My name is Jason. That is Chuck. We are Film Burrito. We'll see you next time. Bye.